Today's podcast is sponsored by Jack Frost Big Boulder Ski Areas, where the snow comes first. 93.3 WMMR Audio On Demand presents the Preston and Steve Show podcast. And now, Preston and Steve's news updates with Kathy Romano. Today is Monday. It is January 13th. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning in the news this morning. It was a violent weekend in Philadelphia. Seven people were killed in the city over the weekend, bringing the total number of homicides in the city to 13 for 2020, not even a full month into the new year. A double shooting left a 35-year-old man dead in Strawberry Mansion late Sunday. A second victim was taken to Temple Hospital in critical condition. At about 1 a.m. Sunday on the 4700 block of North 5th Street, police officers found a man lying in the middle of the street with two gunshot wounds to the head. He was taken to Temple University Hospital where he later died. Just about an hour earlier, a man in his 20s was shot at the intersection of Amber and Rush Streets in Port Richmond. He was taken to the hospital and pronounced dead there. At 1.16 p.m. on Sunday, police say uh, shots rang out near St. Joe's University's campus. Officers found a 24-year-old man suffering from multiple gunshot wounds and he was pronounced dead at the scene. In the city's Germantown section, a shooting left an 18-month-old baby and an adult male injured by gunfire at 5.30 in the evening on the 100 block of East Pastoria Street. Uh, Both uh, Police say the baby suffered a graze wound to the head and the man was shot in the upper body, but both victims are expected to survive. Now, on Saturday afternoon, a 15-year-old was shot to death in North Philadelphia. According to investigators, the boy was shot twice in the chest. At about 6 p.m. on Saturday, a man was stabbed to death during a fight at a busy Center City Street. And then an hour later, a 24-year-old man was shot once in the head in the 200 block of South Edgewood Street and he later died at the hospital. So all of that this weekend, seven people dead, uh, 13 so far for the year and uh, not even a full month in. Carnell Elementary School in Oxford Circle is scheduled to reopen this morning after weeks of asbestos remediation. The school district of Philadelphia announced that necessary repairs have been completed and testing was confirmed that the school is safe. Yet the teachers union countered the school should remain closed for now. Carnell, as well as McClure Elementary and Hunting Park closed before winter break due to uh, imminent asbestos concerns. I think they came up with a great idea. They're able to now reincorporate the asbestos into the cafeteria meatloaf. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Okay, well. It's two birds and one stone. They're doing something. Something with it, right? At least. Yeah, you know that mystery meat. You don't know. Last week, that's te- what gives it the crunch, the asbestos. Mm. Le- oh, God, that's gross. <laughs> Last week, teachers elected officials and parents gathered outside Carnell to call for state funding to address health and safety concerns in Philadelphia schools. Now, the Philadelphia Federation of Teachers maintains the school district did not uphold an agreement in regard to testing protocols. The union released a statement with the position that the school should remain closed until the union can analyze test results and participate in joint. Walkthroughs. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. So they found some asbestos here when they were doing the the demolition on the uh, part of the the floor that we're on, and that freaked me out when they they closed everything off yeah. and sealed it off. Sealed it you off. Can certainly understand. You do not want to be working around. Yeah. That where it's potentially in the atmosphere. Yeah, and that's especially, con- the, you know, your kids going to school, like, yeah. where they're yeah. supposed yes. to be safe in yeah. every way. Yeah. I mean, that was confusing, though. They just found it, or... I no, mean- they knew it was there. Because okay. when, when they did, so when, when they did the, uh, remember they redid Pierre's office, mm-hmm. um, that construction company or whoever uh, was brought in to do that, they found it. And this was, well, this is what I was told. They found it. So when they went to do the construction, they knew it was there, which is why they sealed the walls off. Okay. There you go. So it was only in that part of the entire building? But, but in, in Pierre's like office, it was part. all natural asbestos. Yes. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> He's very earth conscious. Yeah. Of all it's people, Pierre Organic asbestos. <laughs> I mean, it's the worst. 
Uh, so until then, the union concluded that the environmental team cannot assure families and teachers that the school is safe. As for McClure Elementary, the school is expected to reopen for most students on Wednesday. The pre-K classes are scheduled to resume on January 21st. An investigation is underway at JFK Airport in New York after two planes nearly collided on the runway. The FAA said the incident happened when Delta Flight 300 had just landed and was taxiing to a gate on Saturday. In the meantime, Delta Flight 253 was starting to take off uh, when Flight 300 started to cross on to the same runway blocking the path. Yeah, the departing flight uh, had to bail out on its takeoff to avoid potential collision. The pilot apparently confused the air traffic controller's instructions about when to cross. Wouldn't it be wild if they had, like, pilot road rage? (laughs) I know. (laughs) One of them gets out, you know, pulls the thing, the the slide comes out, he comes sliding down, runs over to the other plane, starts throwing stuff at him. Hey, speaking of road rage, right uh, in front of the Metroplex, I saw two cars pulled over on the side of the roadway. I think it was some sort of fender bender, Mm -hmm. but um, it was an older man got out of his car and went over to this poor woman's car and like punched her window. I was like, "Really? Are you shut of a bitch?" Yeah, I was wow. like, "What's going on here? This is not good." Okay. Uh, so the FAA says situations like these are rare. In all of 2019, there were more than 1,700 runway incursions. <laughs> Wait, 1,700? That doesn't yeah, sound like it's, it's not a lot. Uh, but only two of them were serious incidents involving commercial planes. They oh, said. Uh, Kathy, you know the peanuts they used to hand out? They're made of asbestos. Yeah, like, seriously. Seventeen hundred incidents. Yeah, in the United States. Well, near misses, yeah, crosses. Says, I guess right. Okay. Yeah, in all of 2019. But they're saying that only two of them involved commercial planes. Oh, okay. okay. All right. So private planes. Yeah. And, yeah. Who cares about planes? Okay. Everybody's been working very, very hard to prevent them, but we're dealing with human beings, and humans make errors despite the best of our technology. Whoa. We're watching we're the footage. We're looking at video footage that came oh, of from it? Yeah, yeah. close. No, that was from July 2017. Oh, okay. It was another plane that was trying to land and just almost skimmed the, the plane that was sitting on the runway. Look Wait at this, second. Kathy. It's not July 2017 oh. right now? Look at that. Oh, my gosh. And wow. Come on. These okay. pilots, they Within need to 30... learn how to use their mirrors, you know? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. And would you signal, please? Please signal all pilots. 30 to 50 feet it was passing over, it had said. Wow. Jesus. Uh, so that comment was from an aviation expert, but the FAA, FAA says that it is investigating what went wrong at JFK. In sports this morning. The conference championship games are set as the NFL is down to its final four teams. On Saturday, the San Francisco 49ers beat the Minnesota Vikings 27-10. to And the Tennessee Titans surprised the top seed in the AFC, the Ravens, by winning 28-12 to in Baltimore. Yesterday, the Kansas City Chiefs came back from a 24-0 deficit to score 51 points and win 51-31 to over the Houston Texans. And in the NFC, the Green Bay Packers beat the Seattle Seahawks. Aaron Rodgers connected with Devontae Adams eight times for 160 yards <laughs> and two touchdowns. And the Packers held on for a 28-23 win to reach the NFC Championship game for the third time in six years. Next weekend, the Chiefs will host the Titans in the AFC Championship while the NFC, uh, in, in the NFC, the top-seeded 49ers will host the Packers in San Francisco. The Sixers are on the road again tonight, and they'll travel to Indiana to play the Pacers. The two teams are very close in the standings with the Sixers in fifth place in the Eastern Conference, but only a half a game ahead of the sixth-place Pacers. Tip-off is set for 7 o'clock, and the Flyers are on home ice 
tonight as they host the Boston Bruins, who are the top team in the Eastern Conference with 27 wins and 65 points. The Flyers are in eighth place in the East, but continue to have one of the best records at home in the league. The puck drops at 7 o'clock, and that's what I have for you this morning. All right, thank you very much, Kathy, and uh, welcome to Monday, new week, new stuff. Uh, we welcome everybody. Everybody have a decent weekend? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Weekend. It was uh, the, Yesterday's weather was unfreaking real. I was around in, in shorts and a t-shirt. It, yeah. it felt so spring or, you know, summery even. I yeah. went for a jog outside. It was awesome. Nice. Excellent. Well, I, I spent most of the day here in the studio uh, yesterday. Oh, we did, right. uh, Pierre and I did this uh, tribute for Neil Peart. It was I listened a, to the whole thing, except for the first, like, five minutes. Because we did. Because I was, I was uh, doing my Caligon bath. We uh, we were planning on doing two hours. We went three and a half hours. Oh, then I missed so, some. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a long stretch, and it was uh, it was great. But it was a bittersweet weekend for me because my, my weekend started with that news yeah and it was uh it was it was tough to swallow so i spent a lot of a lot of the weekend kind of in this weird limbo state thing you know this is my idol who passed away we'll so. have to talk about that and how that that can it can impact you i i called you immediately i was on the treadmill and i'm like what yeah. and i called you and you uh you relate in the in the um broadcast you did yesterday with pierre how you were getting contacted by people from your past and everyone just immediately thought of you yeah it's, it's so weird because we you know we uh, we tend to think of of people you know like this on and how they affect us and and he's such an idol of yours that i'm like oh my god I, you know well, yeah and, and doing. i reached out to other people yeah, too yeah, yeah. who who i was uh you know who i knew i shared that bond with that that fandom with yeah. and i'm like hey how you doing and and i just wanted this little sense of community amongst you know, drummers and musicians and fans and so on. So there was a lot of communication going on. And I appreciate all of the uh, uh, the emails that I got. I got loads of them from people who were uh, and and social media posts as well. Well, people like this allow you to to attach memories. You know, they're they're, they're they've given you memories. They've been pivotal in certain aspects of your life. They provided soundtracks or movie stars or you know authors or whatever. They've populated those flashes. From your life, and that yeah. that's it's almost like a gift. You don't know how to how you would ever repay. You know, yeah. If you uh, if you missed it yesterday, I'll, we'll recap a little bit of it, uh, um, um, and we're going to play a couple Rush songs this morning. Neil, or, uh, uh, Pierre is going to do a, another tribute to Neil today during the workforce blocks. He's going to do a, a block of Rush, so he'll do some concentrated uh, uh, music later on today. Anything that you did yesterday with Pierre, people have been asking me, will that be available online as a uh, as a podcast? It will be. The music will not be. I don't, okay. think we're, I don't think we're allowed to put music on the podcast, but we will have the audio segments where we stopped and we played clips and we talked about Neil, took some phone calls. Mike Portnoy called in, which was very, very cool, so we'll have that interview. Uh, and uh, maybe we'll play a little bit of that uh, back yeah, later on. Yeah. We'll see if we can do that. But anyhow, it was... Uh, it was it was a special day yesterday and uh, that tribute that we did Neil. So thanks to uh, uh, Pierre and, and we had a lot of help too. And I'll mention some of that later on. But uh, we have some other things that are going on. We have a new word of the week prize: overnight stay at Ocean uh, Casino Resort in Atlantic City. Dinner for two, two tickets to see Aaron Lewis, who's going to be playing in May at the Ovation Hall. Uh, so we'll uh, get the letter at the end of the program and so on. We also have some other big things. A couple of them happening at eight o'clock. First of all. We have our Easy Money Contest. That gets started once again today. So a chance for winning $1,000. We'll give you the word and the numbers and the information that you need to possibly win $1,000. And around that time, we're going to announce the MMRBQ. On sale date, show date, bands, the whole thing. So, yeah, this uh, this warm weather over the weekend. If you think that was nice, wait until it's... 
really comfy mm-hmm. and out even warmer than it was yesterday and the day before, and you're outside watching the lineup of our show. Mm. I love it. It's enough to make you hang on. Last so. year's was so good. Yep, so we will do that around 8 o'clock. We also have uh, another cash chance uh, chance for you to win some cash to the Dr. Oz Watch, Listen, and Win $500 daily contest. So if you watched on Friday, we'll have a question about Friday's show. That'll be around 9.30. And we have a couple of guests on the program. Josh Hartnett, hmm. the actor, will be joining us. And he is promoting Inherit the Viper, uh, which is available now at select theaters and video on demand. Josh is a cool guy, great actor. And John Cryer is going to be on the show today, and he's promoting uh, his performance as Lex Luthor in Supergirl. And he's really, is he really, really, good? really good. Nice. Yeah, you would never figure him for Lex Luthor, and he's sensational. So we will uh, do those things and more through the course of this Monday morning. We'll take a quick break, come back in a second. We'll do the entertainment report, stupid question, and so on. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Love MMR? Buy some gear. Check out the rock shop at WMMR.com. Snazzy. Hi, I'm Steven Singer. Yep, that's me, the I Hate Steven Singer guy. People ask me all the time, what does this mean, I Hate Steven Singer? Well, maybe this is the reason. At my store, we don't play pricing games. We wouldn't treat our friends like that. We only have one price. One place, one price. Come to my store and feel the difference. You'll have fun buying a diamond for somebody you love. Steven Singer Jewelers. One place, one price. 888-I-HATE-STEVEN-SINGER. Online, IHateStevenSinger.com. And our flagship store at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly. Back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. So I figured I'll do uh, I'll do a rush question. Yes. This morning for a stupid question, we will give away a four pack of tickets for the worst case scenario survival experience, which is now open at the Franklin Institute. So here is your question, Rush fans: In which song do we learn of the motor law? From Rut Rush song, do we learn of the motor law? That Neil wrote of two one five two six three WMMR. It's a softball for Rush fans. Let's see if you know the answer to that. Like I said, two one five two six three WMMR. Call right now. We'll see if we can get your answer. While we're waiting for that, we'll go through some birthdays on Monday, January thirteenth. Orlando Bloom celebrates his birthday today. He and Katy Perry are yeah. still hot and heavy. They're, they're getting married, are they not? Yeah, I believe so. I don't know if they've set an official date. Yeah, I'm... that I'm not sure of. Well, uh, whenever we mention them together, I can't help but think of that picture of them paddleboarding yeah. naked with him standing, his dong hanging out. Yeah, she's fully dressed mm-hmm. and he's nude. Yeah, could you put some clothes on there? So uh, he has he got any movies? Yeah, he's actually has a series. It's on Amazon Prime. It's about um, uh, fairies and uh, mythical sort of stuff going. Uh, is he still Row. an elf? Carnival Row. That's it. No, he's not an elf. Okay, I All think right. he's a regular dude this time. All right. Uh, he is uh, 43 today. I always liked him. Uh, Liam Hemsworth, the actor, brother of Chris Helmsworth. Hemsworth, not Helmsworth, Hemsworth. Uh, a big birthday for him today. He is 30 years old today. Uh, and uh, he and the Miley thing done, was over. entertaining to watch for a little while. The bitch is she goes right back to Australia to get her her follow-up boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. That's kind it's got to be a slap in the face. Stab in the back, yep. Yeah. Uh, Actor Michael Pena. Love that guy. He's great. And he's very versatile because he does great comedy and he can do the straight ahead serious stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. He's in dramas. He's great. But like an Ant-Man and stuff. He's terrific. He's in uh, Narcos Mexico. And uh, that is one that I don't think you have to watch the uh, the original Narcos in order to follow that. I saw Netflix. 
Tacos Bell, uh, which is really good. Tacos <laughs> Bell. Uh, yeah, he was the great comedic relief in, uh, or in, well, there's a lot of comedy in him, yeah. man, but but he's, he's certainly one of the foils. He's great in that. Uh, so he's 44 years old today. Uh, Patrick Dempsey. From Grey's Anatomy yeah. and the classic Lover Boy. I love Lover Boy. I did too. It's such a guilty pleasure. It is. He's the pizza delivery guy who's going around servicing all these women. One of the women was Carrie Fisher. Yeah. You yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Uh, and, and also another one, guilty pleasure, was uh, uh, Can't Buy Me Love. Another one. Uh, where he played, you know, the kind of geek that... that um, he went from geek to chic, right? To, yeah, geek, geek to, to chic. <laughs> yep. Exactly. I was, all, all those movies had that same sort of scenario, uh, mm-hmm. but they were a lot of fun. Uh, he is 54 today. Uh, by the way, you know, in the movie, what is it... Uh, um, where Reese Witherspoon in the in the South and uh, he's from New York. He's Sweet a Home Alabama. socialite. Yeah, yeah. And so, spoiler alert: he doesn't <laughs> end up with her. Right. And he, you know, he, he's just he just gets royally screwed over by her, and he's just okay. Yeah. That and, and by the never way, never happens no, in real life. No. Ever. And by the way, he's wonderful to her. He, he he's wonderful to he's, her. She's not dropping a bad no, thing at he's all. He's awesome to he's, her. He's, he's, he loves her with all you his heart. You whore. Yeah. <laughs> you filthy Alabama whore. <laughs> but real quick, what do, how do they remedy that? Because they don't. They, they need to make her the still the good guy, right? You, you know how they usually remedy it in movies is the guy, the good guy who gets screwed over in this love story because yeah, yeah. love does uh, conquer and triumph. Uh, but usually the way it ends at the end of a movie is some hot girl will be in the very last scene and they'll uh-huh. kind of look at each other and go, hey, how you doing? Oh, hey. And they just yeah. kind of walk out together. It's like, oh, he can still get laid. Look it's at how no superficial he is. <laughs> It turns out he was a whore master. I don't know if it happened in that movie or not, but I, it has happened in many movies. But, like, he does everything. There have been a number of cases. I'll tell you another one. Liar, liar. Yeah. Yes! Dude, carry on. Guy's great! He's a great guy. It's like, because he can't do the claw? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude, yeah, Jim Carrey has been nothing but an absentee father mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. his entire Existence. Look at the lessons that movies teach us. And it wasn't until, be a royal f up until the last it, second. It wasn't until an actual curse got yes, upon him exactly that well, he brought his life around. Well, the other guy does it of his own volition. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's just not fair. Yeah, he didn't choose to you always scumbag. tell the truth. Mm-hmm. He was compelled. You to. whore. You whore. You Alabama you whore. I love and that. you and liar, liar, you scumbag. <laughs> I wonder if this is a topic right here. It may be. Well, Patrick Dempsey is 54 today. Uh, Penelope Ann Miller. Oh, what a always whore. thought she was adorable. <laughs> She's not a whore. She's oh, oh, and what big top peewee she is. She plays a sweetheart yeah. in Kindergarten Cop and The Freshman. Actually, you know of. what? You know she's... Oh, go ahead. No, no. Pee Wee Herman was kind of the a-hole in that one. He, She was really sweet. And... I think there's a case that could be made that Pee Wee Herman was the a-hole. Uh, she's also in Carlito's Way, right? He, she was. In in, in the, the second yeah. Pee Wee Herman movie, yeah. I love the scenes where her head would be turned away and Pee Wee would see her hair. <laughs> and he would get this psychotic look on his face like, <laughs> like he's obsessed by her hair. Yes. It's just this weird little thing they threw yep. in that movie. Anyway, Penelope Ann Miller is 56 today. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, what a talent. Uh, 59 years old today and a big cancer scare in her life as well, and she's doing all better. I just saw the trailer for a new movie with her and Will Ferrell, and the, the conceit yeah. is pressed in their, their, um It's a comedy, and they're, they're at a, a ski resort, and an avalanche looks like it's going to wipe out the, you know, where they're having 
dinner al fresco at this resort. And Will Ferrell just takes off and starts running. And she's like, you ran away from us. Uh-huh. Like, you you were ready to abandon us. And that's the whole thing they have to work out for the rest of the movie. Oh, that's is that, yeah. They can't get that. I right. was running to get help. That's the flashpoint. Yeah. It's called Downhill, Steve. Downhill, yeah. All right, a couple other quick birthdays. Uh, Trevor Rabin, guitarist uh, from the band, yes, of the, uh, the 90210... Uh, 90210 I, I always mess that I up. know. 90125. 90125. I think 90120 was Oh, is Uh He also went out to be a great film composer. He did the uh, music for the movies uh, Gone in 60 Seconds, Remember the Titans, Con Air, National Treasure, Rockstar. He's done a whole bunch. What he did with Yes, though, was he brought them back. Uh, yes. He gave them a few hits. Big time. And uh, I, I love the stuff he did with them. I do, too, Steve. I thought it was really good stuff. And then the last birthday I saw locally, uh, Ivan uh, Provorov of your Flyers. Huh. Turns 23 years old today. 23 Big years fan old. of Sweet Home Alabama. All right. Let's see if we can get an answer to the stupid question. And uh, we're doing one in honor of uh, Neil Peart, who passed away over the weekend. So... Um, in which Rush song do we learn of the motor law? 215-263-WMMR. Pretty easy question for Rush fans. I'm going to go to Pete. Hi, Pete. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Saw Rush seven times. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, my man. Do me a favor. Tell me what song we heard about the motor law in. Red Barchetta. That is correct. Red Barchetta. Hang on a second, Pete. Get your information. Four-pack of tickets for the worst-case scenario survival experience now open at the Franklin Institute. Jump, play, and climb in this kid-friendly experience and build your survival smarts. You can get tickets today at fi.edu. Uh, number one at the box office was 1917. Uh, made $36.5 million. It's interesting because I a lot of people were coming up to me last week People I would not assume would be into this movie talking about how they couldn't wait to see it. So I got I'm a message. Right with them. I got a message over Twitter over the weekend, Steve, that said uh, that they saw it on uh, an IMAX screen. Yeah, and that that was the way to go if you can uh, to do it that way. I have no doubt. Uh, then you had uh, Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker, followed by Jumanji, Like a Boss, Just Mercy, Little Women, Underwater was seventh, followed by Frozen Two, Knives Out, and Spies in Disguise. Uh, let's see. Where do we begin? Um, the uh, what were the awards last night? It was the, the Critics' the Choice. Critics' Choice. Yeah. yeah, I'll just give you a quick snapshot of a few of the things. I don't think it was even carried on a network press, and it was it was, it was streamed. I'm not sure. Uh, best Picture was Once Time in Hollywood, and Best Director uh, was a tie actually for Sam Mendes for 1917 and uh, Bong Joon Bong Joon Ho for Parasite. Uh, so I'd never heard of a tie before, but I guess I guess they that. have them. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Best uh, actor was Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. Best actress Renee Zellweger. Judy, that's a second one for her. She's won two, and he's won. He won uh, the uh, the Golden Globe for Best Actor. So he's on a fast track to possibly win the Oscar. I watched Judy over the weekend. What do you think good. of it? She was good in it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, supporting actress Laura Dern in Marriage Story. Supporting actor Brad Pitt. Once Upon a Time. Uh, best action movie. When they have that category, which is cool. Avengers Endgame won that. Ah, that's nice. Uh, animated feature Toy Story 4 and Best Acting Ensemble went to The Irishman. And then they break it up into a bunch of categories. But we got, listen, we got Oscar nominations coming today. Yeah, so it'll be 5.30 Pacific time, 8.30 our time. Yeah, so Critics' Choice Award. <laughs> Oscars are coming. <laughs> um, so I don't know if we'll, we may go on that tomorrow. We'll have to see because we've got uh, some other things going on through the course of the morning. All right, some uh, other stories to pass along. Prince William... 
has expressed sadness that he and Brother Prince Harry are no longer a team, but is hopeful that the rift will be healed with time. The Sunday Times reported that William is unhappy that he and his brother-in-law are now separate entities following Harry and wife Meghan Markle's bombshell announcement that they will step back from the roles of senior members of the royal family. Listen, I'm so sorry if I was whack. And uh, work to become financially independent. They are calling it Megxit now. Megxit. Mm -hmm. Uh, William reportedly said that he is hopeful that they will be singing from the same page again one day. Uh, Ahead of the Queen holding crisis talks to discuss the future of the Duke and Duchess Duchess of Sussex, William reportedly told a friend, I've put my arm around my brother for uh, all our lives, and I can't do that anymore. We are separate entities. Uh, So, yeah, it's pretty wild, man. Um, now, many are blaming Meghan. Meanwhile, Oprah Winfrey is denying that she urged the pair to Megxit. Prince Charles may no longer Oprah. want to bankroll them, and rumors of Harry's mental strain are swirling. Uh, Meghan, it seems, was so eager to go, she hopped on a plane to Canada Thursday night to be with her and Harry's son, Archie, again. Uh, he was uh, cared for during the time his parents left uh, left him by Jessica Mulroney, his nanny and Megan's best friend. Uh, Harry will reportedly join her soon. Uh, now, Megan is already hard at work on her post-royal life, according to reports. She has signed an unspecified project with Disney in exchange for a donation to an elephant charity. Uh, reports indicate okay. that the um, deal was uh, in the works. Uh, an elephant charity. <laughs> uh, before the announced split, by the way. So, uh, Yeah, yeah. This is all really uh, kind of interesting, and I didn't want to find it interesting earlier on, but there's many different aspects of this. Because the queen has to save face for the monarchy. Yeah. Uh, there, there are financial concerns here for sure. Uh, and uh, when they say they want to be financially independent... Uh, do they say that they don't want any financial input from the uh, royal family at all? Um, like starting over? Yeah, well, like, no, no, here's sure? the deal. Yeah. <laughs> Insiders <laughs> predict really? that a broad agreement on the future for Meghan and Harry will be shared in the coming days and that they will be allowed to keep their titles while also enjoying increased freedom. But others uh, say not so fast. According to financial records, Prince Charles spent $11 million in royal funds to cover Meghan, Harry, and Prince William and Kate Middleton's royal duties. of those costs are bankrolled by income he earned from the Duchy of Cornwall estate, the 5% coming from a taxpayer-funded grant. Sources spill that uh, Charles may only shell out money in the future if they maintain many of their royal duties. So, yeah, they might, you know, I mean, they they can, listen, they're going to be taken care of for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Uh, But to what level, I don't know. Did you say Duchy? Yeah. What is that? I don't know. Okay. It's like a dukedom. Okay. okay. Do you have to pass that on the left hand side? You do, yeah. Okay. But right. uh, in England, it's on the right hand side. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, Harry was concerned about his uh, mental health unless he stepped back. Insiders tell the Daily Mail, Harry supports mental health cause uh, causes through his charitable endeavors and has previously spoken previously spoken out about his personal struggles. But that's the mental health of elephants, Preston. They're uh, trying to be together. Sources also say that Harry and Meghan. Uh, went against the Queen's wishes in going public with their wishes and that Scotland Yard will be tasked with reviewing security plans for the future as taxpayer-funded plans could spiral into the millions if they're living in two places. That's true. Yeah, you're going to have to provide a security detail for them. Mm -hmm. It makes them a more um, 
likely target. Mm. Yeah, there's all sorts of concerns. These crazy kids. So we should know something soon about all the details. The Queen has reportedly called a meeting with Harry, William, and Charles today. So yes. They're having, they're having a sit-around uh, with the Queen. Uh, the plan is to talk things through, sources tell people, with the goal of arriving at a resolution. And this way, any chance something should happen to Meghan and my son, <laughs> then I would take revenge. Uh, Winfrey, by the way, Oprah is denying Page Six's report that she urged the pair to step back from royal duties. Uh, she told People Magazine, Meghan and Harry do not need my help figuring out what's best for them. I care about them both and support whatever decisions they make for their family. I think what happened was is that they got bombarded with the legendary press. Now, he was used to it. She wasn't, even though people had warned her about what they were going to do and how much they were going to be all over her. Mm -hmm. And I think they buckled, and that's probably part of the deal. Yeah, You think it's just the press or or also just, you know, the, um, I mean, that along with the fact that, like, you can't make a move without, like, Signing off and, and you, you know, you what, know I mean? what though? How would you how would you not be aware mm. that that was going to be part of the whole thing? Maybe okay. you're aware of it and then you're in it. Yeah, and it's it's worse than you ever imagined. Yeah, uh, but I mean, how, I wonder if they could if they could step back and say, well, how much does this really all the talk, all the chit chat, all yeah. of that stuff? How much does this really directly affect me and my life? Uh, she should already have a fairly thick skin because she's in the public eye and has been and yeah. has probably felt the feedback, negative feedback, which you're going to get no matter if you're in a public eye and you're right. you're, you're in you're in a public forum, you're <clears> going <throat> to get feedback. Whether even if you're Tom Hanks, even if you're the most beloved person in the world, you're going to get that. I mean, she was on Suits. Come on, yeah, <laughs> uh, no, but uh, <laughs> if you can use a little perspective and maybe realize, listen, people are just going to say bad things, and and you just have to understand that that's the way that it is. Maybe you could deal with it a little bit better. Do I, you have I to throw know. up? Yeah, I do have to throw up. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, but throw up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think it to a level that's the I don't know. It'll be curious to see how the queen who has handled much worse than this over the decades mm. and you know she's driving everything here. Mm-hmm. Uh hubby's too busy crashing into things. Mm-hmm. So uh we'll see how this works out. And this is for you, Casey. <laughs> Harvey Weinstein's first week in court for his rape trial ended with fireworks. Well, that was nice of them to put on a display. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Would you uh, like to see something? I brought in some Roman candles. Attorney Arthur uh, Edala filed a motion asking that media be barred from the courtroom, saying that potential jurors were unable to speak freely during the screening process because of media attention. I'd like to file a motion to get this party started. He told uh, Judge James Burke that uh, most people do not speak in front of... Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Katie Perry. Make him go. To both move on the defense's part to stage a performance from Katy Perry. Everybody loves this song. You're like <laughs> completely forgot about the task at hand. So the the attorney told the judge, James Burke, most people do not speak in front of international media. In order for citizens to be as honest and forthright as possible, we ask that jury selection be done in private. Uh, Burke replied, that's against the law. 
Uh, he said, I'll read this, but I'm generally familiar with this form of the law. I'm disagreeing with you on virtually every level. A Manhattan assistant district attorney, Joan Eluzzi, also objected, saying now they want each person to be interviewed in private. I don't think there's any precedent for doing that. Secret <laughs> double court. In his motion obtained by USA Today, uh, Adala writes, we have learned that, one, some jurors have not been candid in their responses. Two, at least one juror has expressed an ulterior financial motive for serving on Mr. Weinstein's trial and that that he would find him guilty. Three, a number of jurors have been victims of or had exposure to sexual assault, assault or domestic violence. And four, nearly all jurors have heard about this case. Well, that's what the selection is for. Yeah. They go through that yeah. stuff and try to find that out. You have to go through that process. <sighs> is this and, effort and this, to fight the uh, court of public opinion because they're doing a lot of interviews? And yeah. Yes. Okay. And, and so here's the deal, though. Again, and this is the double-edged sword. Okay, you're going to find someone who has no idea about the case. But do you want someone who's that bereft yeah. of awareness that, that they don't know about this story? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Meanwhile, Charlize Theron and Selma Hayek have been listed as potential witnesses. Oh, that'd be cool. Sign me up. Yeah. Uh, they are among the 80-plus women who Play have that sh- fireworks song again. Oh, shared yeah. allegations of misconduct against uh, the disgraced mogul. Uh, the jury selection process will continue next week. Opening statements are set for January 22nd. And, of course, Weinstein has pleaded not guilty. And if convicted, he could face life behind bars. Life? Yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow is selling candles that smell like her vagina. I got sent this so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are marketing candles on Goop that are literally named This Smells Like My Vagina. And they retail for $75 and are currently sold out. Yeah, sold out. So you you read the process by which it was named, right? Well, I'm going to give you that story right now. The website provides the backstory. The candle started as a joke between perfumer Douglas Little and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, the two were working on a fragrance, and she had blurted out, "Ugh, this smells like a vagina," but evolved into a funny, gorgeous, sexy, and beautifully unexpected scent that turned out to be perfect as a candle. So, what does Paltrow's vagina smell like? Apparently, geranium, uh, citrusy bergamot, and cedar absolutes juxtaposed with damask rose. Yeah, and, right. And yeah. ambrite seed. Smells like fish. Yeah. <laughs> I made an extra scrubby marine. The new candle press is called Take a Whiff of My Butthole. Uh, Twitter has some questions. One wrote, is this pre or post hot yoga, this vagina smell? Uh, well, there you go. She can do no wrong if you can market a candle like that and have it sell out. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, she's pretty much impervious yep. to it. Uh, I wonder how much uh, how much cash this business venture yields for her, because it's it's huge. Uh, what uh, goop in goop, general? Goop in general. I'm sure, it's doing great. To be honest, so Kathy, do you ever go there to the to the website? Yeah. Uh, I mean, just when we talk about is it, is that where you get all your vaginal candles from? Is goop <laughs> seventy five bucks for a candle case? Yeah, that's uh, it's a little silly. Uh, so you don't go there just for like to shop to shop no. for legitimate okay. no. Okay. shopping now. No. Okay. Uh, NBC has ordered an unscripted game show called That's My Jam, starring <laughs> Gary Lauer. Ah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> no, the show will feature a new group of celebrities each... Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> each week, it's based on the various musical-based games that have I become... I 
testicles. A staple of the Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. Oh, dude. Don't play that anymore. That's just repulsive. When they hit their buzzers. Yeah, that's you hear that. All right, play one. That's Gary coughing, for those who don't know. Sweet nectar of the South. I'm never going to get used to that. It's just ever. It's repulsive. Time for lunch. So some of the games include Wheel of Musical Impressions, Musical Genre Challenge, and the History of Rap. By the way, the the, the Wheel of Musical Impressions thing... I do think it's funny. I, I think it's cool seeing, it's seeing celebrities doing their, yeah. th- but they have clearly rehearsed what impression and what song they're going to do ahead of time. It's not a so, random yeah. spinning of the wheel. They so have just perform plan. it. Just do it. Yeah. Show me your impressions that we've oh, heard. Oh, oh, so I'm supposed to be uh, Oscar the Grouch doing uh, the dreidel song. Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. Okay, how will I do that? You yeah. know, it's, right, come right. on, you, you guys worked on it ahead of time. We know that, or at least most people do. So, uh, NBC has ordered a 10-episode first season of the hour-long series. Uh, according to the uh, president of NBC Entertainment, uh, they said uh, Jimmy reinvented the late-night genre with his one-of-a-kind celebrity game segments that uh, show our favorite stars at their most clever, creative, and relaxed. We're thrilled to bring viewers a new set of games and create a weekly party uh, that is just as much fun to watch as it is to play along with. And it's going to be like a weekly party. Uh, you know who does it very well? Ellen Show. If you, you yeah. watch her with any regularity, she's the games are good. She's a good host. These are the same. Uh, this is yeah. the same group right, that's, yeah. uh, that's deciding to do this. By the way, with the Ellen Show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thank you. Bonus round. Uh, Lindsay Lowen's mother, Dina, was arrested for driving while intoxicated Saturday on Long Island. 57-year-old was driving outside of an Outback Steakhouse. I just had a blooming onion. Which... Trying to get, trying to get out of the expressway. <laughs> Just a bloomin' onion. Yeah. <laughs> about ten fosters. When she reportedly hit another car and Oops then, a daisy. And then left the scene of the <laughs> Or as they say in uh in Australia, ooh la la. <laughs> uh the arrest is most unfortunate, her lawyer, Mark. Yeah, I would say it wasn't uh Good day. Uh, Mark J. Heller told the Post, he said she has not been evaluated to have been drunk. Listen, Ossifer, I just had a blooming onion. I'm trying to get on the expressway. And this is simply an allegation that remains to be proven. Uh, I don't have to sit here and listen to your abdications. By the district attorney's office. I'm Uh, calling my maternity. In uh, 2013, (laughs) She was arrested for driving with a blood alcohol level more than twice the legal limit. So I'm going to make a TikTok video. She has had this happen before. She is a mess. Yeah. I well, if so. you if you're ever prone to cut Lindsay Lohan some slack, all you have to do is look at her pants. Mm, good point. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, I think we're going to skip to the clips. Yay! So let's do that. Manifest follows the crew and passengers of Flight 828 who disembarked to find the world five and a half years older. In this clip, Melissa Roxburgh talks about what type of drama season two will bring. Here we go. We get to find out who got shot in the first episode back. So we have to figure out what that means for the rest of our lives, if we can stop it, and like continuing to kind of figure out where we went with the plane itself. Shut the f*** up! 
Uh, the new episode of Manifest is on NBC tonight. That'll be at 10 o'clock. They're trying so hard for a lost vibe. Uh, I watched one or two episodes, and it's like, I, it just doesn't, it doesn't, uh-huh. to me, it has no interest. Here's the next clip. Luz is a self-assured teenage human girl who accidentally stumbles into a portal to another world in the animated show The Owl House. Here, Wendy Malick remembers when she first saw her character, Ida. Here we go. When I saw Ida, I immediately went, oh, that's my girl. She even dresses a little bit like Nina Van Horn from Just Shoot Me. I said I love her dress. I love her tooth. I love that little snaggle tooth sticking out. No, I just fell in love with her the second I saw her. I like big balls. Uh, the Owl House is available to stream on Disney Plus right now, so that's where you will find that. There's just literally too much entertainment available. Mm-hmm. And we're fighting that. Uh, that is what I have for you in my entertainment report this morning. Uh, we welcome you to Monday if you're just getting started. We have uh, John Cryer joining us on the show today. We have Josh Hartnett, who's going to be on the program we have $1,000 to give away with easy money around 8 o'clock. We have $500 to give away. If you watched Dr. Oz on Friday, we'll have a question about that particular show at about 9.30. And we're very excited that around 8 o'clock, same time we're doing easy money, right after the Bizarre File probably, we are announcing the details of the MMRBQ 2020. So we'll have... Magical. Dates, locations, on-sale info, and uh, the vans, of course. So that is coming up. We have a lot to get to. So let's take a break. Come back in just a moment or two as we begin our work week together. Stay with us. We won't be gone long. The Preston and Steve Show Podcast. 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks. Later on this morning, uh, Josh Hartnett on the show, John Cryer on the program. I mentioned that we'll have a chance for a thousand dollars and then five hundred bucks with the watching moment. Doctor Oz that's going to be around nine thirty. So, uh, in the MMRBQ lineup, of course. But um, started off the weekend in in uh, in bad form on Friday. Got the news that uh, Neil Peart had uh, passed away, and it was um, jarring to say the least for me personally, and for a lot of people. Uh, Neil is the uh, the guy that influenced me the most when it came to uh, playing drums, which has been a big, big, big part of my life. And um, I'm, you know, a huge fan of Rush overall, but Neil was my guy, you know? Yeah, for as long as I've known you, that's the name you reference the most for being the most influential on your music. Yeah. And also, I know throughout all the time of knowing you, not only was it that, but the books that he wrote yep. and the autobiographical book of him on his motorcycle tour. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All those things have influenced you uh, greatly. Yeah. Uh, and and so many people as well. And I have a few of the uh, uh, the reactions from uh, the music community. Dave Grohl, who inducted Rush into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, cited Neil as the reason he began playing drums. He issued a statement that said, Today we lost a true giant in the history of rock and roll, an inspiration to millions with an unmistakable sound who spawned generations of musicians like myself to pick up two sticks and chase a dream, a kind, thoughtful, brilliant man who ruled our radios and turntables not only with his drumming but also his beautiful words. Thank you, Neil, for making our lives a better place with your music. Uh, you will be forever remembered and sorely missed by all of us. And my heartfelt condolences uh, to the Rush family. Taylor Hawkins simply said, Neil had the hands of God. End of story. Lars Ulrich wrote uh, on Instagram, Thank you, Neil. Thank you for inspiring me and for all your help and advice along the way, especially in the early days 
when you took the time to talk to a young green Danish drummer about recording gear and the possibilities that lay ahead. Thank you for what you did for drummers all over the world with your passion, your approach, your principles, and your unwavering commitment to the instrument. Rest in peace. And a lot of other people reached out. Um, uh, even uh, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau yeah, well, there you uh, go. wrote, uh, we've lost a legend. But his influence and legacy will live on forever in the hearts of uh, music lovers in Canada and around the world. And, uh, you know, Paul Stanley Kiss was a, in the formative years of Rush. They were at Rush was a supporting act for Kiss on yeah. a huge portion of their tours. And so they were really, really tight with those guys. Paul Stanley said absolutely horrible news. Neil Peart has died after fighting brain cancer for years. His later life was filled with so much family tragedy. So, so sad. And I'm just shocked. And Gene Simmons called Neil a, a kind soul. And you heard from everybody from Flea to Billy Corgan, who was a huge Rush fan. Brian Wilson, uh, Tony Iommi, uh, Charlie Benante, and uh, Kenny Arnoff, one of the all-time great drummers as well. So it's, Their music seemed to, um, <clears throat> uh, and specifically, obviously, if you're talking about, they all wrote the music, but um, he was the lyricist. He was the lyricist. I, there, I think there may have only been... There are only two songs that I know of that he didn't write the lyrics for, that Getty wrote lyrics for. So Neil was 99% of all the lyrics came from him. Yeah, so uh, the I'm always surprised at um, how much how much the music of Rush uh, transcends the normal, what you'd assume to be the normal audience base, mm-hmm. like so many people, like whether it's like alt-rock or even... You know, uh, country people all over from all different types of music really enjoy the band, yeah. and uh, now you're really seeing it in, in the wake of his death. Even Kathy likes Rush. I, I know, very yeah. surprising. So, I did, yeah. Um, but it was man when when I got word of it, it was it stung. It really hurt. Yeah. It real. It was really a physical. I, I felt something in my body, like a like a, a shock or a hit or something like that. And, Rochelle and I were were standing in line at the grocery store. They have a, a coffee counter there, and I'm getting coffee. and And I look down and I see a text from Jackson. He was the first one to to get the news to me. And I was like, "Oh my god!" And she said, "What?" And I just go, "Neil died." And she knew exactly who I was talking about. And I I just was I was in a fog, man. And I I was in the middle of placing an order too. <laughs> right? Like I, yeah, yeah. I, I just walked away from the counter. She told me later on. She goes, you, "Did you know you didn't?" finish your order you just left me hanging there to tell him what you wanted i was like i i don't know i was so lost and i immediately text and and calls started coming in i was telling steve and and pierre and i did a uh a, a, a program yesterday a tribute uh for neil uh we were on the air we went on at one we had the intention of maybe doing two hours we ended up doing three and a half hours uh, and and I want to thank and, I, and I'll, I'll finish my story in a second. Here, I want to thank Bill Weston because um, and Chuck. It was Chuck yeah. D'Amico's idea, and he had asked Bill if, if uh, he was cool with that, and he said absolutely. Bill was here yesterday for oh, the beginning of it, and Bill told me the words. He goes, "Play whatever you want." Oh wow! For a program director, for That's those of you cool, who yeah. don't know radio, that is that never happens. Yeah. So he said, he said, just play whatever you want. He goes, don't play working man and don't play in the mood. And I said, yeah, because Neil didn't play on those songs. That was on the first time. <laughs> He's like, yes, don't make that mistake. I said, don't worry about it. But he was gracious enough to say, play whatever you want to. So we went deep in some tracks uh, in the albums. But anyhow, I got I got contacted by uh, people like old bandmates. My buddy Tim, who and I, uh, right out of high school, or in, in high school, we, we formed a band together. And Rush was our, our common bond. Uh, and, and he got in touch with me. And he actually said something that was that was really interesting because 
We hadn't heard. Neil passed away on Tuesday. Nobody found out until Friday. Nobody knew he was sick except for the very inner circle, which we'll touch on in a moment. But my buddy Tim says, how typical Neil, how how stereotypical of him Mm -hmm. to keep that quiet and not bother people with that because he was such a private guy. Yeah, as you pointed out, uh, and and I listened to most of what you did yesterday. I didn't realize you went three and a half hours, but... what an introvert he was. Yeah, very, uh, very much, so. much so. Very shy. So a lot of people pr- presume that he was a standoffish. He was not. He was chronically shy. I think he was kind of on that uh, kind of Asperger's level where yeah, he yeah. was just awkward socially. Yeah. A, a, a very, you know, uh, average on, on every other aspect, uh, except for the fact that he was extremely intelligent. But I think he had those attributes of just not having good social skills earlier on in his life. As he got older and matured. Right, developed them. He developed them, and and he was more comfortable with them. Yet he still found that interaction of people who know you, but you don't know them. That's limelight, right? uncomfortable, and that's what limelight is all about, exactly. When did Rush uh, announce that they were going to hang it up? That was a couple of years ago, right? 2015 is when they they did the R40 tour. I'm wearing my concert shirt this morning, and that's when they, they were retiring. He... I, I don't think he had any idea that, that a sickness was coming on when they made that decision. Because they were so resolute about it, were they not? Yeah. They were. Yeah. Uh, and, do and we have any idea as to when he found out he is he had brain cancer? They called it a three-and-a-half-year battle. So okay. uh, it wouldn't have timed out right. Because, listen, if you're going to do your final tour, if the final tour is in 2015, those decisions would have had to have been made by, like, 2013. Right, right. And so on. So I, I don't think he had any idea that he had a life-threatening disease. The saddest part in all of this to me, and I don't want to dwell on the negative, but here's a guy, the 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 muscle that he worked most in his body, it's not a muscle, I know that I yeah. use that as a as a, a metaphor of sorts, but was his brain. Yeah. He was he was constantly searching for input, for for uh intellectual stimuli. He read He'd, 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 he'd love to take in nature and other people's lives. And how does that thing work? And what do you do? And tell me about that. And the fact that it was his brain that that, that had the, the cancer attack him. And I, and I uh, unfortunately went and read what this type of cancer does to you in its end stages. And I just feel horrible that it was, you know, his faculties would have been gone towards the end because his mind was so sharp and so acute that that happened is just the saddest thing of all, you know, uh, to me personally. In one way, in whatever you believe, if you're, <clears> you know, if you believe in an afterlife, you believe in, in, in energy. Once energy is created, it can't be destroyed. I always thought in his life being robbed of his daughter and his wife. Yeah. Uh, you know how profound that was in it. Wherever that energy goes, I would like to think that, you know, uh, I, I have my beliefs, but, but uh, that perhaps in some way he's rejoined with that so yeah. that would be wonderful to think of that in yeah. those terms because uh, that the book that you we, i referenced where he went out sort of on this vision quest on this motorcycle you you described it i've never read it ghostwriter but it seemed to be a very zen experience for him and, oh, he, and, and he needed it yeah he he referred to so for those who don't know neil's uh daughter who i believe was 19 at the time was leaving for college she drove by herself had a single car accident she died in less than a year his wife uh, came down with with cancer and died less than a year. He loses Jeez. both of the most important people in in the in his world, and so he was numb after that. And obviously, he'd left the band, and they had anticipated that they were never going to get back together. And he went out on this quest. He felt the need to move. Within his book, 
he refers to what he calls his little baby soul, meaning that, um, you know, a child gets fussy. Yeah. So you rock the child, you move the child, you put the child in the car, you go for a ride, the child calms down. It needed that movement. It needed that attention. So he called that his little baby soul, and he had to get out and move. He rode for 55,000 miles mm. on his motorcycle all over the U.S. and down into uh, up into Canada and, and and eventually down into Central America and so on. And uh, after that, he met a new uh, woman, got married, had a child, changed his world. He, right. he became a new person, and I saw in his interviews a more personable person after that. So he did a lot of healing and uh, eventually um, came up on on you know on the good side of things. Um, but it was it was really comforting. Um, all the social media interactions for me personally, people that were reaching out to me. Uh, even my, uh, I was reaching out to other people. Some were reaching out to me. My old, my drum teacher, Rusty, who taught me in sixth grade to play <laughs> drums. Wow. Reached out to me really? via messenger on wow. Facebook. Yeah. And he's like, hey, I just wanted to see how you're doing. I wow. remember, I remember your fandom. And so he and I had a back and forth conversation about how much Neil meant to us personally, because I would come in and I'd be like, I'm like, Rusty, I can't figure this part out on this song. Can you show me how to play it? And and so he was always, you know, rushed. You're in sixth grade. Yeah. What's, and, what's happening? Yeah, no, but that, that shows you how long the prolonged um, effect he's had on your life. So, Preston, again, uh, I was talking to you off air about how, I mean, I, every week I listen to some portion of one of my favorite albums of all time, which is a show of hands, the live um, the Rush album. And and that and that version of Time Stand Still off that album, and you were talking about it yesterday. Yeah. How um, that it, it it transcends simply a song. It's an instruction for life. Mm-hmm. It's a great reminder. It's a it's a it's a Zen thing. It's it's a call to action. I never met Neil Peart. I don't know. You know, I don't know if we could have carried on a conversation. But with that effort in those lyrics, he's helped inform a, a, a whole chunk of my life you know that that to me that's an amazing thing to consider yeah. and a lot of times it's what artists we admire or people that we admire do they may not even ever know this uh, yeah i'm sure you know he did not but what meant the world to me how, you know and then you say um you you try to why is this so important to me? Why does this hit me so hard? Well, that's why. I mean, yeah. there are little chunks of my life that have been affected by this song where I've been able to turn to this song and say, yes, this is a great message. Remind myself of this. Yeah. I got to go to a few Rush shows over the years, and uh, I gained an appreciation for them. I really gained an appreciation for them after uh, starting to work at MMR uh, because MMR really was the only radio station that I knew to play Rush at all. Um, and uh, Pierre interviewed Getty uh, right when I started working here, which was really cool. Um, and I, I want to ask a question, Preston, that maybe you don't know the answer to, but uh, it, it's sort of a joke and sort of a stereotype, but you go to a Rush show and there's like eight women in the audience. Why do you think that Rush appealed to men so much more on the whole than, than appealing to women? Well, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Uh, as to why, um, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, the music itself, especially earlier on, had, had a harder edge to it. And it was it was complex musically, and it's certainly not dance music. It doesn't have the type of rhythm where you can kind of even really bang your head to too much. To be honest, it's it's uh, odd time signatures, and and uh, I, I don't know. It's it's very what my friend Tim would call heady music, meaning that it's it's technical and well thought out. Uh, but I, I don't know why. But you know what? I had I played a clip yesterday uh, from Neil during an interview. 
Uh, and they were they were quite aware of the fact that uh, their audience is <laughs> almost 100% male and all dudes yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, Neil joked about, uh, you know, trying to force your girlfriend into liking the band. And uh, this is what he had to say. If your girlfriend doesn't like us, please let her stay home or at least give her earplugs. Right. Thank you. <laughs> so don't try to force the music on her, basically, is what he is saying. By the way, going back to, you know, um, the people that reach out to me and, and what music and musicians can mean to you. Uh, my son's music director at uh, at uh, Souderton High School, Adam Tucker, reached out and he said, hey, I just wanted to uh, see how you're doing. People sometimes trivialize the passing, passing of musicians, but they don't understand how influential they are on some of us, especially the masters. And that can absolutely be the truth. And we've had... We've had a few heavy years where some big, big biggies have, have gone, well, and everybody's Bowie. affected by that. Yeah, we just had Bowie Week here in 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 Philadelphia, and and when we learned of that, and we had been ignorant to the fact that he was um, sick. I, no one knew. I it came out of left field. Yeah. Petty's death, though we knew oh, he man. was in, in not the best of health. Though these are every time this happens, and then you think of, then you immediately get a flood of. I remember when I was listening to this song and this was happening, you know, and I remember all of these things. And, um, you know, I still remember, Casey, I know you're a big Steely Dan fan. Yeah. After a, a it was a, a bad experience at school and going home and hearing Deacon Blues. Oh, yeah. and, and I can see the kitchen. I can see the radio. I can see everything. So that is how profound what this stuff is and how, how it just locks in our brains. Yep. And uh, speaking of the influence, so we had uh, yesterday on the tribute, uh, we had uh, Mike Portnoy yeah. was, was nice enough to give us a call. And Mike's being besieged by people for uh, interviews because Mike was, when Dream Theater came along, uh, they were kind of like the only band that came along that was like, hey, this might be the new Rush because they were playing these really intricate, aggressive, cool, conceptual long, stuff, conceptual, big music pieces. And Mike is an insane drummer. He's yeah. unbelievable. Neil was possibly his biggest influence so i i reached out to him and he said yeah he would uh, he would get in touch so uh, we had a chance to talk to him and he over the years got a chance to become friends uh with neil um and i had asked him about that on uh how they they actually met and i'm not sure exactly what what this clip is but i'm going to play it this was from yesterday you know normally if you're a drummer and you go up to neil you start asking him questions about drumming or ask him questions about rush that's it you immediately shut off and <laughs> you blew any chance of getting to know him yeah. but because i went in as an interviewer i was able to fanboy out on this first meeting and and ask all the questions i've always wanted to know because I, that was kind of my job so it worked out perfect that i had that ability and then once i got all that out of my system he and i through the years developed a great relationship and he was just always such a gracious person sending me you know holiday emails and pictures of him and his daughter dressed up in halloween costumes and always inviting me out to sound check and everything whenever he came through town or we'd have dinner together and just you know we ended up developing this relationship over the last 15 years or so which to me was um such a, an honor to have because, as you said, he was just so, uh, you know, very, very uh, private, and, and it was very hard to be let into his inner circle. Yeah, and uh, he had, and since uh, Mike knew him, uh, he was aware that he was sick, and uh, and and <sighs> when, when I first reached out to him, he was like, "Man, I, I knew it was coming, but it still hurt. It di it didn't matter that I knew." This was him talking about knowing about the that uh, that Neil had come down with this. I've known for about two years now, oh and uh, never told a soul. It was, uh, you know, it was a, a secret that I was um, 
privilege to have. So I honored that and respected that. Uh, so sadly, you know, I've, I've been fearing this day and, yeah. and knew it was coming. Um, but Mike, it just it, doesn't make it? it any less shocking. Right. I, I, I can't imagine the rest of the world, though, not having a clue. I can't imagine the shock for this to come out of nowhere for most people. I, I don't even imagine. I can't imagine how that would have hit me if I hadn't known. So he was, uh, you know, he was blown away by it as well. Just, uh, just it's terrible. Um, but I did pull some clips aside that I thought were pretty cool uh, from Neil. Uh, this is um, one of the things I, I love about him is the um, the amount of work that goes into the music that they put out. Uh, there, are, there, are, there are a couple of different kinds of musicians. One's that say, hey, let's get together and see what happens and uh, just kind of jam and whatever comes out, this is what we get. And then there are those who specifically want to put certain parts in to convey a certain feeling, meaning, whatever it may be. And Neil and Rush and those guys were in that second camp. They were very well-constructed pieces of music. I've always tended, Preston, it's funny you should bring that up, because whenever bands say, we just got together in the studio and we see, mind you, great music has been created that way, Mm -hmm. but I almost always prefer the product when they come in, there's something I want to do, there's something I want to address, and then they all... They all have that. The, the albums almost invariably, I think, turn out better. So this is this is kind of his mindset in in creating a drum part. Now lyrically, it's completely different. That he goes from the heart and, and right. so on. But this is uh, this is just his mindset to give you an idea of how Neil worked as a drummer. Of him talking about a song that they were constructing. This is from a a really cool video called "A Work in Progress." Here we go. There's a whole list of problems to be solved it's a little metaphor i got from rock climbing i thought was really interesting when you're hanging somewhere on a cliff the next move you make is a problem to be solved and you're trying to attain a next set of goals and a next set of goals and they're all interlinked construction of a song can be like that too you have choices rhythmically and tempo wise to push and pull the tempo here to accompany the band here to drive the band there to lay back into a steady groove here all these things become a part of your orchestration and the elements that you're going to juggle in terms of the form of your drum part. So what's the job to be done? This one opens up with a double time section, of course, where you're driving, you're going to drive that band. And then when it comes down into the verse sections, you want it just to groove along as an accompaniment. And then there are returns of the double time section throughout the song, choruses where you want to be driving and pushing the band along, and then elements like the ride-out that we'll discuss where I'm just trying to lay down a steady groove that planes out for a while and then builds up once more to the acceleration of a double-time section that's going to drive the band in through to the conclusion. So there was so much intent yeah. in, in what yeah. he did as a drummer that uh, I'm playing this part, a, a place for everything and a thing for its, uh, you know, a thing for uh, uh, whatever that saying is. Uh, stitch in time. A stitch in time saves, saves a place in the thing. In the thing with the guy. But I know what you're saying. Yeah, uh, there's yeah. A, there's an intricacy that has obviously made him uh, yeah. the, ador- you know, the, the adoration you got from a Mike Portnoy is, that's why. He's yeah. a guy who took the time to... To work on the music, and we're always fascinated by the uh, the masters uh, and and how they do what they do. Uh, so, so Preston, there were there were a couple of clips that came up. I don't know if you have them at the ready, but mm-hmm. one that one that caught me was uh, uh, him describing his uh, work ethic and the commitment to the audience. Yeah, I think that's very telling. 
Um, feeling constantly having to earn it, I think, it is a good motivation for it. You know, I don't take for granted that people just admire what we do, so whatever we do, they'll admire. No, you know, I feel like, in fact, this is very true, every audience, I feel like we have to earn them. Um, you know, that we have to earn their dedication and their expenditure of time and energy and money to be there. Every single time, you know, every show, and it's an old show business thing, but I really feel that you're only as good as your last show. And that's the one thing I do like about touring, if you have a bad one, you get another chance. Yeah, they worked real hard. Yeah, real yeah. hard to uh, to bring it to the audience. There's there's one other if you'd play. I think you'd like it. It's it's him reeling off his favorite drummer jokes. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, is that one on there? Case. Hang on. Uh, I think it's at the top. Yeah. Uh, and they did have a great sense of humor. So here you go. This is his, uh, his drummer jokes. Tell me some drummer jokes. Uh, well, for example, um, what did the drummer get on his IQ test? What? Drool. <laughs> Good. What do you call a drummer with half a brain? What? Gifted. What does a drummer use for birth control? What? His personality. <laughs> He'd heard them all. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, man. But uh, it was, um, I, I did spend a lot of time uh, over the weekend uh, listening to Rush outside of, you know, getting three and a half hours to play whatever we wanted to on the air yesterday. And it was, uh, uh, it was bittersweet. It was great to, to go back and listen to some stuff uh, beginning to end that I haven't listened to in a while. It's sort of... Uh... Cheesy to say that the the music allows them to live on, but I, I do believe it. And um, I, I go through these phases where I'll hear a Soundgarden song or Chris Cornell, and I'll yeah. think, "What a beautiful song that was!" And then I'll be sad that he's not around to make it anymore. But then I'm reminded, "Well, we have this in the first place," you know. Yeah. So and I think that about Petty a lot. Um, it, it does live on, it, and, and their contributions are around forever. I thought I, I think that's a really good thing. I think about about this all the time. When you know, hopefully somebody will remember <laughs> that. In some ways, Doctor Mike often says, and we have this conversation a lot, is that did you you know did you do something to make the world a better place? Did yeah. did, did somebody it, was there something that you did that makes made someone happier? And you you endeavor to do that. Well, I think in Neil Peart's case, yes, clearly yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. on on uh, staggering levels, he did that. So. If you can, you know, cast off this mortal coil and have that volume of goodwill in your wake, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah, agreed. He certainly gave me a lot of joy. I went to, I've seen Rush more than any other band. I I couldn't put a number on it. It's not a ridiculous number, like, you know, 40 or 50 times or something like that. But certainly every tour that came through, uh, I went to see them. And uh, I remember he looked directly at you as, and he was upset you were uh, smoking pot, I was right? smoking a joint. You just relayed that very story. Upset by, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. by the 16-year-old kid that I was sitting there in the second row. <laughs> I felt so embarrassed. I'm like, he's disappointed in me. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's a total pot smoker. What are you doing, son? What are you doing with your life, son? This is no way to live. Yeah. Second row in a concert smoking <laughs> weed in front of your idol. Uh, but I, I still... Uh, I still will sit down and and work out drum parts from him. Yeah, uh, and and I, I it's it's in, it's frustrating and and uh, joyful all at the same time because I'm amazed at his talent. And I'm ama- and, and I'm pissed off that I can't do some of it. Uh, there there are little intricate parts of some songs that I can't to this day figure out, uh, but I, I will eventually get around to it, hopefully. Does it help if you have 51,000 drums around uh, you? Uh, no, you really? don't need that. His um, drum kit is is uh, the most insane drum what's kit. What's going on so, like Normally, what you'll see is, like, you know, a drummer and then the, a percussionist, right? So, 
he's doing it all by himself, which is crazy. Yeah. Well, they, Casey, half those drums are actually coolers. Okay. So, yeah. He's just got drinks in there. <laughs> uh, no, the the ever expanding drum kit was always a uh, uh, a thing for him. But he could be. Uh, listen, there's there's video of him just playing a little four piece drum kit with the uh, the Buddy Rich Orchestra, and he was fantastic. So he didn't need all that stuff, but the the music called for it, the orchestration. They they had such an expansive sound, uh, and to fill that out, he wanted different different sounds uh, to create with. Prior to Neil, who uh, whose passing devastated you the the most? I mean, I, I I can't think of anyone you've spoken of. Well, I can think of one person. Uh, but we don't we don't want to entertain you know. Eventually, when Paul McCartney, oh well, you know, yeah, yeah, he's he's number one. What about uh, when Lennon died? I compared it to Lennon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I compared the shock that I got to this to to John Lennon for me personally. Um, when I heard Lennon had died, it was in the middle of the night. And my radio was on as I was in bed about to fall asleep, and I sat bolt upright with with like, wait, did I just hear that correctly? Um, and it was it was the same thing. It was on Friday. I I was just like, no, no, yeah, it hurt. Um, and it took a while to process and I'm still processing it, you know, that for me was, was, I I agree that I I remember I was watching TV and it it came in and then I went, I didn't stay on TV. I went right to the radio Hmm. to, to get the information. I went to what was formerly sort of, I guess, a sister station of, of uh, MMR, WNEW New York, and then followed it all the way throughout the night. Casey, I really, I, I've, I, I, this is a kind of, uh, a, a scenario that I've had in my head that I think is, is like you, because I had always thought that someday our paths might cross yeah, and that if they did, what would I do? So you know how you have your fantasy scenarios and how you would uh, thwart a bank, re- a bank robbery? If Anything, you were, yeah. Yeah, I things hidden like that. Fists. Yeah, hidden fists and so on. <laughs> I had I had a little scenario in mind if yeah. I had encountered Neil in a non-professional setting, just happened to, and he was see robbing him. a bank, and he was robbing a bank. <laughs> would you pretend that you didn't know him? I would, but I, and but I would offer to help. Uh, so that do way, do you need a, you need a getaway car? Yeah, because I'm good to go. We we can take off. But no, but I, I had got the a, minivan in the parking lot. I had a scenario that I would uh, that I would talk to him, but yeah. pretend as if I did not know who he was, <laughs> and that I would I would somehow or another be you know. Offering some assistance with whatever he may be doing. Okay, at the so time. hang on a second. Because you know him so well, you feel like you would probably get more out of the conversation if you pretended like you didn't. Know oh, him. absolutely. Okay, because he would shut down if you immediately started uh, acknowledging who he was. So the right. name of your he band was more is, inter- is Rash. <laughs> he was more interested in, in finding about other people, yeah. especially if they didn't know who he was. He was right. intrigued by. Uh, by who people were and what they did and what their lives were about, but uh, he he didn't he didn't like people uh, who n- already knew everything about him. As he, you know, what I have a clip actually uh, about limelight and what it's all about, and and it's this. That's not it. Uh, hang on a second. There it is. Uh, up, Where? Up, three up. Uh, there, oh, well, nope. Here, let me do it. All right, go ahead. One more. Uh, yep, that, that's it. All right, this is it. Just my attempt, really, to. Um, uh, explain how it felt. You know, that, that's really how it was. And I've, I tried to explain that introverts do not understand, or extroverts do not understand introverts. The idea of being shy to them is some kind of poison. If you think back to school days, I read a quote recently that all of us are the people that high school made us. Yeah. Okay, and, and if shy people in high school, I remember they're stuck up. They're conceited. They think they're better, you know, just for being shy. So that's a, that persists. And if you are that way in a public field, unfortunately, it's a huge disadvantage, but it just made me uncomfortable and embarrassed. And I just tried to explain. And I can't tell you how many younger musicians 
authors and athletes and actors have come up to me in, in life and said what that song came to mean. Suddenly they understood, I can't pretend a stranger is a long-awaited friend. Michael Chabon, the author, just said that to me recently when he had a book signing and with all this expectation of people thinking they know him and his work so well and he doesn't know them at all. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's a real disadvantage. And I, there's an old English expression when somebody calls your name, say, hey, George. You have me at a disadvantage. And it is. I don't know you. you know? So anyway, I, I was just trying in a really neutral sort of way and, and um, hopefully a, a poetic sort of way just to explain how it felt and hey, what mattered. You know, really what mattered to us was always the music. The, what, uh, the, it was to be, not to seem. So that was the that was the whole impetus of that, uh, yeah. that song. So mm. sad news, sad sad news for everyone who is a, uh, a fan of of the music and the words and and all of that. So uh, we we had a nice opportunity to pay tribute to Neil yesterday. Uh, Pierre is going to do workforce block today of Rush songs. If you have any requests, make sure you get in touch with them. Uh, we'll play a couple of Rush tunes uh, this morning as well. We did a nice concentrated three and a half hour tribute yesterday. It was great. The audio of what Pierre and I talked about and the Mike Portnoy interview will be up for podcast. Is that up yet, Marissa? Or The, uh, the interview with Mike Portnoy, which was just amazing. I, well, I literally you. sat in the car. I pulled over just so I could listen to it. Um, is up right now, and then we'll get the whole show up uh, soon. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back in a second. Um, we're going to talk more rock because we do have the announcement of the MMRBQ details. Yeah. They're on the way, as well as your chance to win $1,000 in the Bizarre File. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay with us. What's new? Why do you ask? Highly suspect. Ozzy Osbourne. The Who, featuring Ashes to New. New music, more of everything that rocks. On 93.3 WMMR. All right, let's do the NJM Insurance Group traffic. Then we no, are. Oh, no, I don't know. I don't have. All right, internet. well, you know what? Then we I don't can, have internet. We can do oh. easy money instead do because that first. we have a thousand dollars. You have no internet, but we have that. You would think with a thousand dollars we could buy internet. But we can't though. Then we, we have can't. to give it to you. So here we go. Ninety-three three WMMR. Easy money. Let's give this away. The keyword for the hour is listen. L-I-S-T-E-N. You have until 8.15 to enter it via text to the special contest short code number, which is 45911. Or you can enter using the MMR mobile app or via the contest page, WMMR.com. You'll be entered for a $10,000 grand prize. Now, you'll get a call if you're randomly selected in this Beasley nationwide contest or... I'm sorry, and you win $1,000. Complete contest rules are available at WMMR.com. Again, the word is LISTEN, L-I-S-T-E-N. Good luck from Meineke and MMR. Do we have it now, Kev? Nope, I have nothing. But Uh, what I will say is that Ruby Tuesday is great. Fajitas are back at Ruby Tuesday. They're fresh, grilled veggie, shrimp, and chicken fajitas for only $7.99. Flavors that make you feel like a fiesta. Uh, and no, I do not have an internet, so I apologize. Okay. No one is going to get this traffic report right, right well, now. Traffic, is, traffic has not been, or not traffic has been brought to you by NJM Insurance Group. <laughs> traffic. So yes. there you go. I don't have it either, Kath, if it makes you feel any better. Really? Yeah. You know what? I saved some in a box back there. Do you, you know? go get it? Yeah. All right, yeah. yeah. Do you have any pretzels? Uh, go get it while you're doing the while we're doing the bizarre file, and then after we do the B file, we're doing the MMR concert announcement. Here we go. Now, WMMR presents Kristen and Steve's. Bizarre. 
And it is brought to you by us. We'll start with this. A <laughs> British man sentenced to indefinite detention, according to the BBC, after having been caught on camera attempting to burn down a synagogue and instead burned down himself. Mm-hmm. When police arrested him at his home, he had burns to his hands, forehead, and hair and was carrying two knives and two lighters. As he was put into a police van, the gentleman, Morgan, said, please tell me that the synagogue is burning to the ground. If not, it's poor preparation. I'm the worst anti-Semite ever. Uh, the court heard the attack on the building considered, uh, I'm sorry, coincided with the Jewish feast, with Jewish feast day uh, commemorating disasters, including the Holocaust. Uh, the judge handed Morgan a hospital order without limit of time, uh, saying most people would feel, quote, anger and revulsion for what he did. Uh, the video, though, is a true insta karma, instant karma classic as the dude is just engulfed in flames. There you go. Thank goodness for that. A St. Paul Community College student who threatened to grab a shotgun and shoot two women in the face when he couldn't find the right classroom on his first day of school <laughs> was placed on probation. Wow. You seem to be a little tense. It was also They also sentenced Paul James Mooton to 360 days in jail. Uh, but they stay the execution of the jail time so long as the 40-year-old remains law-abiding during his two-year probation. He's going to school? Yeah. Uh, they were misdemeanor level. Who's the old kid with the shotgun? He's Threats trying to violence. turn his life around, yeah. Steve. Uh, he pleaded guilty to the count, and apparently he, I believe he had r- written this post on Facebook. He wrote, I'm about to lose my effing, I'm about to lose my S on this mother effing school. The classroom on the schedule is not where the effing class is, one post read. Wow. When a school staff member at St. Paul College who saw the post suggested that he drop by the advising center for help, uh, Moulton said his frustration was nearing a violent breaking point. He said, it's ju- it's taking just about everything I have to not grab my shotgun and go shoot two bitches in the face. Whoa. Uh, the universe. Ma, where are my shotgun shells? He They're said, in your lunchbox. He said the the universe just doesn't want me to be a goddamn CNC machinist. Wow. Mm. Uh, Moulton was enrolled. That's probably true. <laughs> at St. Paul College uh, Computer Numerical Control Toolmaking Diploma Program at the time, police arrested him without incident when he returned to the advising center uh, the following day. No firearm was on the forty year old at the time, but police did report finding a folding knife. And brass knuckles. It seems he doesn't get along with others. Uh, Moulton told police his post was, quote, stupid and wasn't aimed at any person, and he didn't identify the school. It was a big goddamn mistake. That's right. (laughs) Listen to these people. A couple is accused of planting bikes in front of their home to lure thieves and then would beat them with aluminum bats. (laughs) Well, if you don't have a PlayStation. Uh, The couple allegedly bragged about their escapades to neighbors and posted videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. All right, we've set the trap. A- Here according comes somebody right now, gotcha. According to Police Lieutenant Ron Epp, they would run out, chase down that subject, assault that <laughs> subject, and recover their bike. But they would never call us. He said, "All right, place the bike, bike back there." Uh, <laughs> investigators say Corey Kernett and Savannah Grillet had been victims of car break-ins themselves, and that's when they decided to take the law into their own hands. hands. Uh, they left unattended bikes in front of their home. In one video, a man takes a bike uh, from in front of his home, and then another man, believed to be Kernet, uh, emerges from the home shirtless 
carrying a bat and chasing after the thief. I couldn't help but notice you were admiring my bicycle. Uh, episode... <laughs> you're the disease. I'm the cure. And you're not wearing a shirt. Yeah. Uh, Epp says the department was first alerted to the bait bike videos in July. Bait and, bike. And the attacks allegedly continued through November. Uh, clips post- Why didn't they put the bike under a big box with a stick print? <laughs> <laughs> clips posted to Kernit's public YouTube account are what helped them make the arrest. Those videos have since been taken down. Uh, police say there are at least four victims who were beaten with bats. Uh, both of these people are in jail, by the way. All right, we'll do one more story, and then we will uh, get to the concert announcement. Back in April, Jane Wilson found what she thought was an old plate lying on the beach. The truth is a bit more Look at that! explosive than that. Wilson was walking her client's dog, she's a private home health aide, uh, around sunrise on Indian River shores in Florida. And uh, she likes collecting sea glass, so she's examining the seashell beds as she walked just in case something caught her eye and something did. Laying atop the sand that day was what looked like a plate, maybe lost long ago off of a Spanish ship or something like that. So she took it home. And for months, she chipped away at the shells and barnacles, crusted on its surface, storing it in a lunchbox cooler filled with water. Then on Tuesday, there was a post on a community webpage about a man who found a landmine. Oh, no. And a friend sent it over to Wilson saying, Hey, Jane, is that thing that you have in that cooler on your living room floor this? Well, let me take a... <laughs> and that's when she realized she had what she had stored at home for the past nine months. She had been chipping away at a landmine. Oh <laughs> she called the police, who told her to evacuate her home while they notified a nearby Air Force base to pick up the mine. She, though, reasoned that if it hadn't gone off in the last few months, it's probably not going to go off now. So instead, she took it to her client's house. Yeah, it's not going to go off anytime soon. <laughs> And she decided to leave it outside for the authorities to collect. Oh, my God. It's clearly broken. (laughs) She had been chipping away at a landmine. It's not a landmine. It's a plane. (laughs) And that is what I have in the bizarre file for you. Hey, Preston, we're going to make this announcement right now. Yes. And uh, I have us going from top to bottom. You, you do? Want, yeah. Or do you want to go from bottom to top? Yeah. Okay. I think I'd rather go from bottom to top. I'd rather work, yeah, our, man. work our way up to the uh, the headliners. Okay. Uh, if you don't mind. So. You don't uh, want to finish off with the opening act? No. I think that would be, I think that's the wrong way to go. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, so we're excited MM Barbecue, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, boy. MM Barbecue is coming to town, and we can hit the fanfare when I give you the date because that's one of the things that you're going to do, first of all, is to mark that date, set it aside, and be ready. MM Barbecue returns to the BB&T Pavilion on Saturday, May 16th. Yeah. Yeah. So we officially have a date. And, oh, that's the bizarre oh, oh, What is that? It's the scariest <laughs> MM Barbecue ever. May 15th. 16th. 16th, yes. <laughs> All right, tickets are on sale this Friday at 9 a.m. through Ticketmaster.com. You'll be happy to know tickets are $49.50. Uh, lawn tickets are $25. $25. The pavilion tickets are $49.50. Lawn tickets are $25 in the early bird special while supplies last. You want to hear who's playing? Yeah! All right, playing at MM Barbecue. This should be fun. We're going to start 
We are going to start with this one. We have, and before you get too excited, it's not who it sounds like it's going to oh. be, but we have The Who playing the Emma Barbecue. Yeah! Not Pete, Pete Ta- Townsend, no. baby. Not no, Pete, not Pete no. Townsend and and uh, and Roger Daltrey. Huh? Uh, but these guys, this who? Well, they're good too. They are good too. Uh, and I only know this song from the Who, but it is a fun. It's a pretty fun tune, and it's been a big hit on the radio station. So here we go. I think that these guys will be one hell of a spectacle on stage. Absolutely. They seem very fun. Yeah. I, I want to see what they do. Uh, they are a Mongolian band. Uh, and they had that really interesting, almost the throat uh, singing. The throat singing, yeah. Uh, so they are going to be performing at the MMRBQ. So that's pretty wild. All right. This band I'm really excited about. They've been here in our studio before. They are proving that they are the real deal when it comes to just straight-up bluesy, gritty rock and roll. And I think they're going to put on a hell of a show. They were in town not that long ago, and the feedback I got from people who went to the show said that they were awesome. Dirty Honey is going to be playing the MMRBQ. This ought to be a high-energy portion of the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they've uh, set some records. They're one of the most successful... Bands to not have a record deal. They've done all the work themselves. And it blew everyone away. Yeah. Uh, they were super nice when they came by here. Uh, anybody here go to that show? No, I really want to see them live, though. Yeah, we had uh, we had a few people that uh, were giving us some great stories by uh, what a great energetic show they put on. So we can expect that at MMRBQ Saturday, May 16th, the BB&T Pavilion. So Dirty Honey on the show as well. Another band... That uh, visited us while we were at the Camp Out for Hunger and is having tremendous success with their first release. We'll be performing, and they're out of Pottsville. It's Crowbot. Crowbot! Crowbot will be on stage. Uh, they came to the Camp Out for Hunger, played this song for us. Really cool guys that are excited about the success that they're having so far. They're just kind of small-town dudes. I'm loving it. Good sense of humor. Having a really good time. Lots of beards. Yeah, lots of beards. Exactly. Uh, And they kind of represent the general area. Yeah. They're going to love playing for a Philly crowd. It's awesome. Uh, A big Philly crowd at the BB&T Pavilion. So, robots, along with Dirty Honey and The Who. Now, the next band that we're going to announce... Uh, is having a bit of a resurgence, and uh, thank God their lead singer has gotten his life together and I think is going to bode well for this band, and they've certainly got a lot of great songs that they can play. Puddle of Mud. Yeah! Honestly thought this band was out for the count, but they're back. Yeah, I thought uh, Wes Scantlin was going to let the uh, the worst get him. Uh, he had uh, some serious substance issues, was getting out of control, Uh, Didn't seem to be able to find his way back, but he has straightened his life up. He admits it. He knows that he was being a total a-hole, and he's uh, 
He's ready for a resurgence. We saw them play back in the day, yeah. and they were great. They're great. He's he's a great front yeah, man. Yeah, he is. When he's not hammered out of his mind. And apparently that's behind him, so we're looking forward to it. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, so far we have the Who, Dirty Honey, Crowbot. And Puddle of Mud in the lineup. Little honey, I must confess. Another band that will be cool, especially since it's going to be warm weather. Uh, you know, this is uh, May we're talking about. I'll be wearing a dress. Uh, Annabelle will Annabelle be there. Annabelle will be there. Uh, no, we're excited to have Sublime with Rome. Nice. Uh, a go-to. I've yeah. always looked at Sublime as summertime music. In fact, the very first line in this song is summertime. Yeah. And if but you've that's... never been to Rome, it's coming to you. Rome will yeah, be yeah. right there in your right face. Right there, the Coliseum, everything. <laughs> uh, so we will have Sublime with Rome performing on stage. Next up, uh, veterans of the MMRBQ. It's always nice to have bands come back that we know that are proven uh, we've seen them show what they can do on the stage, and I like this band an awful lot. I think Taylor's really cool, and we are going to have back the Pretty Reckless. Yeah! Yeah. Great festival band. I think they're a great live band. Uh, she can pull it off live. Uh, the They play the music like they do on the albums, and it's good energy, and uh, they will be perfect for... MMR RBQ uh, 2020. So the Pretty Reckless back on the bill for MMRBQ. Uh, next, another band and excited because I've never seen these guys live other than here in our studio. And they made their uh, United States radio debut here in our studio with a live performance. Casey was the first one I ever met who sung their praises. He heard of them before I had. And actually, before any of us, he's like, you got to hear this band. Uh, and they are awesome. So, Royal Blood. Yeah! yeah! Nice. Royal Blood will be on stage at MMRBQ 2020. And I'm I'm interested to see. Now, we saw them do it here in the studio. It's just two guys in the band. That's it. Two guys that pull off a really, really big sound. And Basis they, and a drummer. And yeah. a monkey on a dog. A, a monkey on a dog? No yeah. Way. No, that's Whiplash. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the... <laughs> Dope. Little boy wanted a monkey. Uh, no. to play the barbecue. Royal Blood, you know who's a big fan of Royal Blood? It's Dave Grohl. He loves, oh, really? Yeah, he loves that band. They He's, opened for the Foo Fighters a few years ago. That's the first yeah, time I ever saw them live. Yeah, so much so that that's... Uh, yeah, he hired them to do that. So... Royal Blood on stage at MMRBQ. And uh, let's get, uh, usually the last one is the headliner. So uh, this will be, they've never played MMRBQ before, have they? Ooh, I don't know. Yeah, yes, they have. Yeah. Have they? Yeah. Yeah. They've played MMRBQ. Yeah, of course, they? returning. Veterans. All right, returning to the stage <laughs> for MMRBQ 2020 will be disturbed. What? They got some socks. Wrapping it up with some high energy, ballsy rock music on stage. Disturbed will be there. So there you go, friends. Also, don't forget Jackson's local shots. We always have a Philly band representing uh, the artist Foxtrot and the Get Down will be on stage. So once again, to save the date, it is Saturday, May 16th at BB&T Pavilion. And tickets will go on sale this Friday. So grab them. You've been asking. You've been asking for them. <laughs> I didn't hear what you said. Nice. 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 Uh, nice. Uh, 
The tickets will go on sale at 9 a.m. through Ticketmaster.com. Uh, there's no pre-sale, so everything goes out on Friday. Awesome. $49.50 for the uh, pavilion seats, and uh, lawn tickets are $25 in the early bird special while the supplies last. So you can get the details at WMMR.com. So there it is, friends. MMRBQ 2020. Always exciting. Yep. Last year, I have to say, perhaps my favorite. The weather was exquisite. Oh, it was. And there was just a wonderful... It's always a home run, but it's one of these cases where... The event itself is enough, and then you have this wide variety of really cool acts. And I like this, because when these bands get up, they play the songs you know. You yeah, know, it's yep. not like you're going to get, not the not the deep cuts would be a, a bad thing, but you, you get a, a great sort of jukebox of yeah. the stuff you want to hear. Agreed. Yep. So uh, get the tickets Friday. That's when they go on sale. We're going to take a break. We will come back in uh, just a moment. Don't forget, we're going to have John Cryer, Josh Hartnett. They are on the way as well as another chance to win money this morning. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Like the Preston and Steve Show podcast? Check out MMR's other audio on demand at WMMR.com or on the MMR mobile app. Hi, I'm Steven Singer. Yep, that's me, the I Hate Steven Singer guy. People ask me all the time, what does this mean, I Hate Steven Singer? Well, maybe this is the reason. At my store, we don't play pricing games. We wouldn't treat our friends like that. We only have one price. One place, one price. Come to my store and feel the difference. You'll have fun buying a diamond for somebody you love. Steven Singer Jewelers. One place, one price. 888-I-HATE-STEVEN-SINGER. Online, IHateStevenSinger.com. And our flagship store at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly. Hey, it's Preston. Listen, thank you to Jack Frost Mountain for sponsoring today's podcast. Keep listening to the Preston and Steve Show to find out when we're headed back to Jack Frost Mountain for the 14th annual Cardboard Classic. And visit jfbb.com anytime for conditions and to view their live webcam. JFBB, where the snow comes first. Back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Uh, the Oscar nominations are coming in as we speak. Literally uh, coming in. Yeah, we're having some uh, uh, internet issues that we're getting worked out right now, but Marissa is jotting down the nominations as they are being announced and then bringing the information in. So they're coming in slowly but surely. We're getting, and I've realized already at glancing at some of the, uh, uh, the award nominations is that this is one of those years where I didn't see anything. You know, and there are some years where you're like, oh, I've got a. I've got some stake in this. I saw right. these movies. Yes, I'm, I'm, uh, got skin in the game. I'm ready to go. But this this was one of those years. I just didn't get out to the theater as much as I wanted to. The last movie I went to go see with my son, and uh, I was at they and they they flashed up the uh, the information about the the you know the the unlimited card that you yes, can yeah, buy. Yeah, right. Yeah, where you can go and see as many movies yeah. as you want a month and so on. I thought maybe. If I buy one of those. You maybe wouldn't. I'll go. No, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, because it's a question of making time. And as you said, you try. You, you're actively trying to shut yourself yeah. off from your family now. You said. I know. I <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's just a question of time. And also, honestly, Preston, for me, unless it's going to be one of our screenings, um, the movies are uh, available at home in just two or three months. Pretty quick. Two, I mean, it's it's so quick the turnaround. Yeah. Uh, we get screener copies from from SAG from our union. And they they come in. I've already seen a lot of the stuff that they're sending us that's already been up and available for streaming already. Yeah. So that's how quickly it turns around. You know, it's funny with it with on demand viewing. Um, you can uh, you can rent movies yes. via uh, or buy Xfinity, rent or buy, yeah. 
And so it, it's so funny because I'll, I'll be flipping through it and, and I'll, I'll see a title I want and I'll go on it and it'll say, you know, rent for, you know, $6 or whatever it is. I'm like, oh, man. But I have to stop. Every now and then I stop and I'm like, wait a minute. You used to rent movies all the time. Yeah. You, yeah. you know, yes, you, you pay for your service, but I had paid for cable back then, too, and rented movies at Blockbuster. So now I'm like, yeah, damn right I'm going to bend. Six bucks oh, my wife movie. and I get into the, uh, things about this all the time. I always have to set the movie up before we do it because I like to buy the movie, yeah. especially if it's a movie I'm interested in because a lot of times it comes with making of stuff. I love that behind-the-scenes stuff. She says, why, did you, why don't you just rent it? Uh, what if yeah. I like it and I want to see how it was made? <laughs> it's, it's, it's like it's an extra six or seven bucks. Let's yeah. go for it. I just don't like it when I want to rent it, and the only option is to buy it. I'm like, oh man, I, I know. Well, that, that, yeah, but I that know. changes. Yeah. Uh, initially, out of the gate, it's to buy. Yeah, and then it becomes available. And then it becomes to available rent. to but rent. But you just yeah. wish it was available to rent right like, now. Right. There, yeah, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, all these great movies that are that are out and available to rent or buy. And on Saturday night, I rented Angel Has Fallen. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm a sucker for those with the, movies. With the drone? Uh, yes. yes. Yeah, the one. yeah, I enjoyed it. Okay. I mean, it, it, it is what it is. There was um, <laughs> the White House. There was Olympus the, has fallen, and then London. like London, London has, has fallen, fallen, and then Angel uh, this has one fallen. fallen. Jack yeah. and Jill have fallen. <laughs> Down the well <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, Kathy, you have all all of them. Or? I, I have what's yeah, what's announced so far. Okay, okay. I have I have an, what's announced so far too. I have one, okay. two, three, four of them, and that's it. I have a little more. So okay. all right, any... I'll go through what I have. And they're 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 currently in the process of announcing them. So yeah, so we're getting the information as it's as it's coming in now. And they usually any idea who's doing the announcing? They always hire. They always get some of the. Uh, they always get famous actors. I know it's to uh, announce them, and uh, I think it's Nell announced the first Nell, one. Nell's doing it. The Cyan yeah, Cyan so Cyan 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 Cyan. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, that's gonna you know. <laughs> oh, the Irishman. Okay, yeah, the Irishman. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, that's um. Right. I don't know who's doing it. It's usually a, a, an honorable. Yeah, you should get somebody request. who's of a of or a some decent loser who wasn't nominated. Thatcher. Uh, all right, I have uh, the category of supporting actress. Big one. Uh, Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell. I hear that's very good. Laura Dern for Marriage Story. She's already won. I hear that's very good, too. I'm in the middle of watching it. Actually, uh, our screeners, I was watching it digitally yesterday, and it shut off for some reason. Just I watch it on Netflix. It's a Netflix movie. Yeah, it is. Well, okay, so that, that's what I was going to say to you. I couldn't get into anything on my Apple TV, so I don't okay. think it was, I don't know mm. if it was that or, you know, my service or whatever. Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit. It was one of my favorite movies. For and was she good at it? Phenomenal. Okay. Oh, she just, and if you think about Scarlett Johansson as just Black Widow or something along those lines, she's not. She's incredible. She's a great actress, and that movie is heartbreaking, but great. Uh, then we have Florence Pugh. Uh, from Little Women. Uh-huh. uh-huh. That movie kind of got overlooked. I a, a friend of mine saw it and said it was uh, very emotional. Why I don't, are we so little? No, I don't think it's about like oh. tiny women. It's not uh, no. the, that dwarf show on A&E. In fact, Little Women is a, it's a classic, oh, right? It's a classic, yeah. I, it's, I, it's already been made a few times. I don't know the story. Do you guys know? They're all under four feet. Shut <laughs> up with that. <laughs> Can you can you reach that for me? <laughs> They're starving. They're starving in this city. Uh, I, can't reach, I can't reach the bread. <laughs> uh, no, it's a classic. It's a, yeah. it's a t- t- turn of the. It's a period piece, and they're yeah. they're all having their periods now. Oh, they're they're, they're uh, but it, they're, it's 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 beloved. I've I read it in school. Okay, yeah. were you not required to read that? 
Oh, I didn't read I wasn't. <laughs> In case he didn't read. <laughs> I didn't read much. In case he doesn't read. Uh, no. Uh, so anyhow, Little Women, yeah. Florence Pugh. And then the last one, uh, Margot Robbie is up for supporting actress for Bombshell. Man, I watched that. We got the screener copy. That's uh, really good. Um, I, I wouldn't qualify. The movie is great, but the performances by Margot Robbie, uh, Nicole Kidman, and uh, Charlize. Char- uh, Charlize Theron, phenomenal. As Margot I said that a lot. had nominations yeah. before. Yeah, Wall- Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. She and was she was for? nominated okay. for uh, I, Tanya, wasn't I, Tanya. she? Yeah, she was phenomenal. You are correct. Stop it. Stop. You are correct. What, she was phenomenal? No, no, yeah, she was phenomenal. <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> I'm going to say great. Just right. great. So these are trickling in. That means that we have the costume awards. <laughs> so exciting. Uh, you, don't have, you don't have actor? I have original score. Uh, uh, let me run original score because we do, uh, we know, you know, some composers ourselves. I'll see story. your costume and raise you a best actor. <laughs> Michael Giacchino. But um, is he, it doesn't have the names of anybody here. Did he do Star Wars Rise of Skywalker? No. No, he did not. John Williams. John Williams did that. Really? Okay. Yeah, he did uh, Rogue One. All right, so Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, 1917, Marriage Story, Little Women. Good. Uh, Joker. Those are the ones that are nominated for original the best score. Right. score. Oh, you know, who, who did this? Was it um, who, Was it uh, from Nine Inch Nails? Was it um, Trent Reznor? Did he do jo- Joker? No, he did Little Women. Little <laughs> Women. For real? No. No. Uh, he did Watchmen. He did, awesome. and he did a phenom- which by, phenomenal. Which, by the way, there, there were a couple of awards at the Critics' Choice. Uh, for Watchmen, Gene Smart won. Excellent. And so did uh, Regina King. Excellent. That's great. Very happy to hear Very this. Very good choices. All right, supporting actor, Tom Hanks for It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. So, Kathy, you were you watched it, and you were yeah. you were surprised to learn that, it, that it's basically more the story of the journalist who sent to invest, well, not to do a story. Um, yeah, I guess I was not yeah. paying attention in every conversation we ever had about it. Um, I was looking for a little more of his backstory. I didn't realize it was more so about the journalist. Right. You wanted it, more of the sniper stuff. <laughs> it was um, It was still good, but yeah. uh, I, want, I, I wanted more from, uh, about Mr. Rogers. So if you're looking for that, there is a wonderful documentary that was out about two or three years ago, which is exactly what you're looking for. It's the actual footage and everything. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what I Hunt need to watch. Out. Yes, yeah. I just watched it uh, last week. It was it's fun. It's fun. Oh my god! This is yep. never going to end. Started that. Anthony, Hopkins. it's like Jackass. Anthony Hopkins for the two popes. Wait a second. Uh, uh, supporting actor. Wait, that's a. What am I thinking of? Wasn't there the hot pope uh, on HBO? That's, yeah, that's a different. That's with uh, um, Jude Law. Jude Law. But isn't the two there... popes is where they uh, they both want their parents to get back together again, mm. and they're twins. Twins, yeah, <laughs> but they don't There's know two it. of them. Is Jude Law in that though? The no. two popes. Who's no. the, who's the other pope? Another older famous actor who I can't think of right now. You will have to look oh, it up yeah. and tell From me. From Brazil, Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price, and something wicked this way comes. All right, the I, only I reason... the least known movie of Jonathan Price. <laughs> the only reason I'm thinking that is because I think because I didn't watch the Young Pope or whatever that was called, but uh, I think the second season there are two popes. Are there not? Yes, or, what's them. your problem? Should, should, I don't know. Should, do they need to take this award nomination back? They do not because there was a series that was close to it. I was just that's very that's a very confusing plot conceit right there. Okay, so also Anthony Hopkins for the two popes. Then you have both from the Irishman, Al Pacino and Joe Pesci. Nominated. You notice that in all these nominations for the Irishman, Preston uh, De Niro has not received a nomination for acting. Uh, no kidding. Yeah, he's left out of it. He's been left out of each. Uh, not unless he was the critic, a Critics Choice nomination, but no, it's always well. He would be the lead actor, though. He would be the lead. But I mean, yeah. also what they do is they well, a lot of times in this case they'll split him up as supporting, yeah, and not take the lead. 
All right, and then you have uh, the last supporting actor nomination went to Brad Pitt for Once Time, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We just won the Golden Globe. Visual effects, like I said, these are just coming in, so right. we're we're getting them in whatever the order they send them down in. Uh, Avengers Endgame, yes. The Irishman, because of all that de aging stuff, correct, and, uh, and the aliens. Uh, the, the aliens. We're gonna send a couple of Jupiterians over to kick your ass. <laughs> the Lion King. Uh, 1917 and Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. So those are visual effects. Sometimes it f- it breaks on how the Academy is feeling. If mm-hmm. they're t- if they're looking for a an authentic recreation and how they're able to to do that, or is it something they're you know that is outlandish, over the top, space uh, travel and all that? You know, it depends on which way they're they're feeling. Animated features: uh, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, I Lost My Body. Klaus, Missing Link, and Toy Story 4 are up for that. Missing I, Link was the one that won it did. Uh, the Golden Globe, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw a Toy Story 4 for the first time over the weekend. Loved it. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, it was again, good. unnecessary, but good. And they did a, a nice wrap up to it. But uh, for me, the, the thing that had me howling, if, if you've seen it, are the ventriloquist dummies. Uh, have you seen it? it? Okay. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Hopefully, uh, I'll watch that soon. Uh, then the only other one I have for now is uh, actor category, best actor. Antonio Banderas. For what? Pain and glory. Ah, mm. I like the pain, but I like the glory. <laughs> uh, then you have uh, Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. One quick question here, Preston. and uh, Casey, uh, would you say there's equal sharing of screen time between DiCaprio and Pitt? Yeah, yeah, kind of. So how, you know, how, but I mean, he in the movie, he's the leading man, yeah. and uh, Brad Pitt is his uh, stunt double, mm. stand-in. Then you have uh, Adam Driver for Marriage Story. Wow, he might uh, he might take this. Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. No, I, actually, I, yeah. I, I take that back. <laughs> yeah, yeah Joaquin mind. Phoenix is on a big streak here. And then the last one, Jonathan Price for the two popes, mm. the hot two, the two hot popes. <laughs> uh, Marissa just brought me more. Thank you, Marissa. Ooh. For the Best Actress category, uh, Cynthia Erivo for Harriet. Uh, Harriet Tubman. Oh, Harriet. Sweet Harriet. Uh, Cl- uh, Scarlett Johansson for Mar- for Marriage Story? Yeah. yeah. She's in that too? Yeah. yeah. Get it's out phenomenal. of here. When does that ever happen? She's phenomenal. When they have been uh, nominated two actors for, or it's one happened. actor for separate uh, films? It's happened. And what usually happens is uh, that almost guarantees they won't win because they, they're splitting votes. Phenomenal. <laughs> I think Nicole Kidman, had it happened to her a few years ago, she, the hours and there was something else that she was up for the same year. Okay. Uh, then you have Sir Ronan for Little Women. Yeah. Little tiny women. I can't. I can't reach it. <laughs> yeah, let me get that a little. Uh, Charlize Theron for Bombshell. She's playing Megan Kelly. Yeah. And then Renee Zellweger for Judy, who has already won a couple of awards. She won uh, Critics' Choice and the Golden Globe. There's, yeah. a, there's a lot of close-ups of her in that movie, and um, there's a part of her lip that doesn't work. <clears throat> no, it doesn't. Like it's it's paralyzed. Okay. In bombshell. Uh, no, in, in Judy. Judy. Oh, oh. And yeah, and I just I couldn't not look at it every time there was a close-up on her. I'm like the the bottom part of her the, her bottom lift lip left side. My name is Judy Garland. It stays flat. Miss Garland, Miss Garland, can I get her comfort? I don't have time for the bread. Miss Garland, what's it going to be like to star in the remake of A Star as Well? Let me tell you something. It will be. People say it's going to be difficult because of my lip. No, you know what it'll be? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> 
It's going to be great. With that being White? said, it was a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be phenomenal. <laughs> One time. <laughs> no, we have to move on. We're oh, we have, to, we have to take a break before our next guest. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. I'll make this quick. Uh, directing The Irishman, Scorsese, <laughs> Joker, Todd Phillips, 1917 from Sam Mendez, Once Upon a Time, Tarantino, <clears throat> and Parasite by Bong Joon-ho. Okay, these are all uh, potentials. And for best picture, and this is that expanded category, so there's uh, fifty movies, eight, I think, in this yeah. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, I heard great things about it. The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, mm-hmm. phenomenal, phenomenal, mm-hmm. uh, Joker, uh, Little Women, Marriage, mm-hmm. Marriage Story. Mm-hmm. 1917 and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, and then it says Once Time, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Parasite. Oh. <laughs> so I assume Parasite is up for Best Picture Best Picture as well. Picture so as well. Maybe maybe yeah, nine. Nine altogether. Oh, cool. All right, so there you go. Oscars out. Uh, place your bets now. We'll see who wins. How exciting. It's almost like we were there. Yeah. When are the Oscars? In uh, March? I don't have that February? information. Unfortunately, February. that didn't come with the uh, the information I got. Kathy, does it say in front of oh, you anywhere? February. February? Is it February? February. Yeah. All right. February 9th. Anyway, uh, we need to take a break. We are going to have, when we return, an actor, since we've just been talking about uh, award shows and movies. Uh, Josh Hartnett is yeah. going to be on the program. And right after we talk to him, we're going to talk to John Cryer as well. So we'll come back for that in a little bit. And also your shot to win 500 bucks uh, from our friend Dr. Oz. Stay right there. We'll be back in a moment. 93.3 WMMR presents Preston and Steve's Totally Office Calendar 2020. Shot on location at the Met, Philadelphia. 12 magnificent months featuring the most gorgeous girls and our loveliest listeners. On sale now for just 15 bucks in the MMR Rock Shop at WMMR.com. Order by this Friday to have it in time for the holidays. Or get your hands on a free copy at an upcoming calendar raid while meeting the girls and members of the show. Details at WMMR.com. 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks. Our next guest has his uh, film in select theaters and video on demand as we speak. And uh, he's a super nice guy. We've talked to him a couple times over yeah. the years. Uh, the movie is called uh, Inherit the Viper. Please welcome Josh Hartnett. Yeah! To our program. Hey, good. hey good, Josh. How you doing, sir? Really well, really well. Yeah. I was sorry to hear about the the loss of uh, your your one of your idols. I hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah big time. Uh, I'm I'm a drummer, so it it hit close uh, home to me. Were you a, a Rush fan, or are you a musician? That I, we well, I've listened to him quite a bit over the years, but no, my family are all musicians. I'm a I'm a music appreciator, really. Okay, <laughs> I, I play terribly. Every <laughs> <laughs> well, when you play terribly, you can even appreciate people like Neil Peart even mm-hmm. uh, even more. Sure. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, your movie, Inherit the Viper, uh, timely subject, opioid abuse and the uh, collateral damage uh, that it can cause. And, uh, and, and uh, so it affects a, a community and your family. Explain, explain the, uh, the, a little bit of the plot for us. Well, we're, we're a family of drug dealers in this small town in Ohio. And uh, the town is decimated by uh, kind of the twin uh, problems of poverty and and drug abuse, uh, and it's uh, it, my, our our family is unable to really 
too much of anything else except sell the drugs to make a living. And there's a rift in the family, obviously. One of us, myself, wants to uh, get out of the drug trade. The other one, uh, my sister, wants to go full in and try to take over the whole area. And it's uh, it's set up like a thriller that way. But it really it highlights, in my opinion, the, the severe damage that the opiate crisis is having on uh, small towns in America. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I was watching a documentary the other night, Josh, about it. And, and there, there are so many layers, a, a massive ripple effect from the actual just point of, a, of the addict on past that, that uh, people are, are wholly unaware of, you know. And the issue of addicts versus regular person has changed dramatically, too, because these drugs are being prescribed to anybody who gets a minor injury or goes through a small surgery. Yeah. And so the average person gets hooked on these drugs, and then it's very hard to get off of them. And so whole towns have been decimated by this. Yeah, you know what, Josh? I had always thought of, of big drug problems, um, you know, whether they be opiates or, or even, uh, you know, things like uh, methamphetamine and stuff like that. I had always thought of them as, as a big city problem. But to be honest, these small rural towns, uh, it, it like you said, it can it can destroy whole communities because them. they're kind of isolated. Um, this starts to infect, you know, within the populace, and it becomes mm-hmm. almost kind of an entertainment of sorts for them. Or when and before they become addicted, then they're addicted, and then it's the 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 uh, the cycling of that uh, that vicious cycle that happens. You know. Exactly. What used to be alcohol addiction in small towns when there was like an economic downturn has now become opiate addiction. And it's it, it's a it's a cycle. You know, it, it, people who lose jobs or hurt themselves end up taking something just to make themselves feel a little bit better. And then they become addicted and then they're in, unable to work. And yeah. so the the economics of it keeps spiraling. Yeah, it, it's pretty wild. Um, and I, I'm reading here that you live in England. And I, I don't know if that's true or not, but um, I had actually done a little <laughs> bit of uh, research not that long ago, and and while they do have an opiate problem in England, it's it's not as bad in the United States. Um, and I think it's because of the the availability of of like codeine over the counter counter in England. I, I don't. Do you know anything about that? Well, I know that codeine is available over the counter here. I'm in England right now. I'm actually shooting a movie. I'm shooting Guy Ritchie's movie right now. Oh, good for you. Uh, nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, he just, I think he has a movie coming out this week as well. He's wearing competition right now. But, uh, <laughs> the, uh, this is going to be a little bigger than ours. Ours is a small movie. But the, um, but the, 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 yeah, we've been here on and off. My partner, my, my, my girlfriend is English. We have kids together. So we're here uh, part time and in the States part time. And there are, you know, there are similarities, I think, uh, between the two cultures, addictions to opiates. But I think it's, it's, it's become more of a problem in the states these days than it is here. I'm not sure why that is. I couldn't point it out, except that it's being overprescribed. That would be my yeah. No, in fact, lawsuits are are uh, are are being uh, uh, carried out and and uh, brought against a lot of companies. We're seeing it all all the time in the news now about about this these massive influx of of sales into a certain area. And uh, you know, the, totally. they're, 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 I, I think we're just peeling away the first layer of what we're going to learn about how this stuff has been going on, but. I wanted to ask you, the, the director of this movie, first-time director, um, mm-hmm. and uh, w- w- were you a little reticent uh, about that, or were, was that actually uh, a cool thing for you? Well, always a little bit reticent of working with someone that you don't get a lot of uh, tape on. You can't right. what they've done before with, with any feature-length film. But I have, I've had a lot of luck with first-time directors. I've worked with a lot of them over my career, and I tend to really like... I'm kind of a gambler, I think, or I like the... Uh, uh, there's... 
there's a lot of chance for it to, to a lot of chances for it to go wrong, but there's also such a great upside when it does go well because you have no idea what to expect when you're working with people that have done uh, ten movies. You kind of know what to expect, right? Uh, and so I like I enjoy that that process and especially the energy the young director brings to a film like this. And this particular director, Anthony, he's um, he's Swiss. And so I knew that when he looked at this story, he wasn't looking at it from a political perspective. He wasn't looking at it from the right or from the left. He was looking at it from a, the human toll that right. it caused. And he was also looking at America from the outside. So it was more of a uh, – uh, it just came across to me the way that he explained the way that he wanted to shoot it as much more of a human tragedy than it was a, a political film, which it could very quickly fall into if okay. it was in the wrong hands. Uh, now, Josh, you've worked on projects of various sizes with new directors like this or people who have been well-established. Steve and I here had the chance to meet you years and years ago. I'm yeah. sure you, you won't remember because you met a gazillion people, but it was for the it was the press junket for Pearl Harbor in Oahu. <laughs> have you ever in your life seen more money spent on a promotion for a film? Because, dear God, did they wine and dine us, and I, I've never seen anything like that. Well, we should do more of that. Yeah, <laughs> we should do more of yes. that. Yeah. I, 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 it was yeah, unbelievable. And I, I remember you. I remember you, Josh, in particular. You were the nicest guy, and even you were looking around like, "What the f is this?" <laughs> of course, I was. I was. I mean, the, well, the movies I'd done before that were like *Virgin Suicides*. And the faculty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mirrors like that yeah uh, but yeah no i'm i'm i've done movies of all different sizes and uh and what i love about this film is that when you get an opportunity to make a film of this size it actually gets through and cuts through the noise and ends up with a release uh, in theaters and on vod and gets good reviews in the new york times and whatnot it's it's all the more kind of gratifying than something that seems predetermined like one of those big huge films. no I, I i hear you yeah, yeah. Hey, so I, I we have to wrap it up here, but I just wanted to. I didn't know you were in England right now. Are are you going to stay up and and watch the national championship game tonight? Yeah, of course. <laughs> what, what time? What time is that going to air? Where you're at? Oh, it'll be uh, it'll like nine. No, it'll be like one o'clock. Okay. There was a. I watched the Vikings get creamed uh, two days ago. That was nine thirty. Um, <laughs> it's uh, you know, there's always there's always something. Uh, that I have to stay up for for American sports. Which I'm is, sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, great for the kids. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. you're getting more and more opportunities. Like in the morning. Yeah, to see it over there in person because, uh, you know, there's a lot more teams heading over there. So yeah. it's cool. All right. Yeah, sure. Well, listen, Josh, thanks so much for calling in. Uh, Inherit the Viper is available now, select theaters, and as he said, uh, video on demand. So good luck with everything, Josh. Thanks, guys. All right, take care. Josh Hartnett. Yay! Nice guy. We did have a chance to uh, to interview him and hang out with him in Pearl Harbor. <laughs> Actually, Pearl Harbor. We were we were on the John C. Stennis aircraft carrier, and a uh, very nice guy. It was right before he took a, a bit of a break from Hollywood for a stretch there. So what he did is he was – I was reading about this. We didn't get a chance to talk to him uh, about this, but he, uh, he went back to his hometown – and wrote a screenplay, but he says he was never he's never been a fame chaser. Mm-hmm. Like it's never been the the impetus for um for doing that. So uh he's I always like he's in a lot of really good genre stuff. Did you watch Penny Dreadful? This the series did not. No. really good. Yeah, no. Really good. All right, so we're going to the other end. We have a real attention whore on the line now. <laughs> Just no, I'm won't stop. I'm kidding. We love him though. John Cry's freaking awesome. Ladies and gentlemen. He's going to be on Supergirl, The Crisis on Infinite Earth. This is John Cryer. 
Hey, John. Yes. Attention, Hall. <laughs> I knew you had a good I sense of humor. Um, but now the crazy thing, you were just interviewing Josh Hartnett, and uh, you were talking about the Pearl Harbor thing. My wife was at that Pearl Harbor uh, uh, premiere and said it was insane. They, I, I mean, they had, I'm telling you, John, they did, they did uh, vintage aircraft flyovers. Uh, uh, Lee Greenwood saying "God bless the USA." Yeah, they, they, Dan Aykroyd was playing with the, uh, uh, the, the U.S. Air Force band. They screened it on the on the uh, uh, on the actual deck of the ship. The food it was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like that in my life. Yeah, no, she talked about it. Uh, she talked about it for years. Uh, wow. uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it is the standard by which others are. <laughs> and it, it is also. Uh, you know, a horrible disaster for our nation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well put, sir. Yes, yes. Uh, if you want to be a downer about it, yes. There, there were certainly negative aspects to the actual Pearl Harbor attack. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, they don't do it like, like that anymore. I have to tell you, when uh, I first saw you pop up as Lex Luthor, I'm a fan of uh, all the DC uh, series and, and uh, Supergirl. I'm like, wow, this is... This is an interesting piece of casting. I I didn't know what to make of it when they when they brought it to you. But by the way, I think you're uh, fantastic, yeah. absolutely in the, in the role. You're 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 just wonderful. I'm so glad they, they they brought you back. What was your reaction when they brought you the the role of Lex Luthor? Why me? Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was my. Uh, I was as as uh, surprised as you, frankly. Um, I uh, didn't think that that was uh, the next uh, step in my career. Um, And it came about in a weird way. Uh, I got a call from an old friend of mine from summer camp who said, I hear the producers of Supergirl are looking for you. And I was like, why would why would you know if Supergirl are looking for me? Um, And then I got one from uh, I got an email from Bill Prady, uh, who is the producer of uh, Big Bang Theory. Yeah. For some reason, uh, and he said, uh, "He said, I hear the producers of Supergirl want you to play a character that rhymes with Mex Muther." Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and I was like, "Wow, okay, this is a strange idea." Um, but after about, it took me all of five minutes to go. Oh, wait a minute! I know exactly what to do with that guy. Um, and and so, you, you, you do. You've made it your own because I think any. Any villain to work, for me, the most interesting villains, you can always at some point in their villainy say, yeah, he's got a point. You know, like like uh, yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes that comes through. And also the dynamic of you with your sister, Lena uh, uh, Luthor, who's who's phenomenal as well, that that makes for an interesting dynamic. Is that part of what attracted you to this uh, this configuration? Oh yeah, yeah, and the, and the, that the movies never got to deal with the Lena Luther relationship. Uh, you know, the, that's one of the things that I really liked about where Supergirl is as a show. Um, and, and mostly, they 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 were going to let me do the comic book Lex, which is much more sort of evil and dark than the movie Lex has been allowed to be. I know that. Uh, you know, there was the Jesse Eisenberg Lex, who's very controversial. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a good. I, I absolutely thought it was a, a, a perfectly, uh, you know, justifiable swing. Um, but th- he got into like uh, it, it got into like he was psychotic, which I thought, oh no, that's not where that I right right could go. Um, but again, that's you know they, that's what they chose to do with that movie. But 
but that I was going to really be honoring the the Lex of of the comics was what I was excited about. Yeah, and and what what comes through too is that you, in classic fashion, you perceive yourself as the hero because Lex is. Uh, you know, he's he's fighting back against what he believes to be an alien invasion, and and uh, and that's that's what makes it so interesting. So, with, without, I mean, for for comic book geeks, and I think you include yourself in that rank. You're a, you've been a Superman fan forever, have you not? Oh yes, oh yes. I mean, I, I when I saw the the Superman the movie back in 1978. Uh, I believed a man could fly. I bought it. <laughs> well, I, I, <laughs> I absolutely bought it. I wanted I wanted to ask you about ending up in the in the fourth one, the fourth Superman movie, which is you you get to play a Luther, but not Lex. Uh, we- I play Lenny, yes, Lenny <laughs> Luther, uh, his his evil nephew, who's a bit of a metalhead, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> and. And that was, you know, basically I was being sort of the Ned Beatty. Uh, remember in the first movie, Ned yeah. Beatty was sidekick and was so wonderful. He was Otis, and, and he was great. And uh, they were going to give me a chance to be Lex's sidekick with Gene Hackman. Uh, and they had basically reassembled all of the cast from the first movie. They got Margot Kidder back. They got, you know, obviously Christopher Reeve wrote the, wrote the story. Um, it was really, uh, Superman Four was supposed to be, uh, you know, uh, almost a reboot for for the series, and I could not have been more excited to be in it. But about three or four weeks into shooting, we realized, oh, these producers don't have any money. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, and you start we started noticing that whole weeks of the schedule were being cut off the schedule, and and whole uh, chunks of the script were being cut out and just sort of tossed away. And we're and and I was heartbroken. You know, the other actors were kind of you know this is this is what happens sometimes. And yeah. They were hoping it would turn out well, but I was heartbroken. And when the movie came out, I was I, it it has become a so bad it's good kind of movie. Like they they're like let's have a let's have a panel at Comic Con and giggle about how bad Superman <laughs> <laughs> is. Uh, um, and, uh, uh, yeah, but you know it's but again we all sort of invest. A lot of um, a lot of our childhood and uh, a lot of you know you don't get into making superhero movies unless there's a part of you that really really digs that stuff you know yeah and uh, so I so it, that was always tough for me but the nice thing is that I, that from going to Comic Con and meeting a lot of people who were sincere fans of the movie that even that you know a lot of kids saw it and the kids didn't care about the parts of the script that were missing and you know the kids really. Enjoyed it. Hell, I I, yeah. I enjoy it. I, yeah, the, 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 I'm really glad to hear that. <laughs> the yeah. guy, the guy, um, what was his name? Mark Pillow, who is Nuclear Man or yeah. whatever. Yeah. This guy's trying hard, and I, you can see though where there there are budgetary cuts, and sometimes they say it's you can see it up on the screen, but but you can see clearly they were they were making cuts. But you had Christopher Reeve, and you had all those elements. Gene Hackman, it's fun. So, and in in the world of these comic cons and stuff like that, as you say, it doesn't matter. You you know you 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 now you have extra gravitas because of Supergirl. I yes, that's what I was going for. Yeah. <laughs> so, John, we all here on the show are huge pop culture fans, and if you were to ask us, uh, you know, off the top of your head, uh, name you know like five projects that John Cryer was in, we'd be able to do it like that. Uh, in your credits on the email that I got, uh, it said that you were in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and I do not recall you being in that movie at all. 
That is super strange that they said that because I was not. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Liars. Yeah. yeah it was. Weird. I was like, that's that doesn't know, uh, you know. And then I, I went was on in like the Godfather too. <laughs> you were in the Godfather, <laughs> I, John. I, John, yeah. I was actually wondering if they confused you with Charlie Sheen because Charlie obviously had a cameo in the movie. Uh, that sure sounds uh, sounds about right. <laughs> oh boy, wouldn't that be? I love I I thought I would have loved to have been in that movie. <laughs> they were shooting that while we were shooting. They started shooting that towards the end of us shooting Pretty in Pink. As a matter of fact, we huh. were we were still. Uh, John had to go off to Chicago, and and we were like, "Bye, Dad." You know. <laughs> wow! Wow! No, but instead, you uh, took the role yeah. as the other Rosado brother from The Godfather, <laughs> and I didn't even know that. So. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you know my oeuvre. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so this is uh, the, the the crisis on Infinite Earth. This is coming up uh, tomorrow at uh, eight o'clock, and this is this is the whole this is the whole universe the of whole... the DC characters, right? It's, yes, it's all blowing up and coming back together and blowing up, and it's crazy. Nice. Well, what they do is they bring in, in in only the way that they can. They bring in all these heroes. This is the stuff that you've you wished for as you're watching reading these comics as a kid, and they pull it off in grand fashion, John. And I mean, you know, budget wise and effects wise. They really deliver. It's got to be cool for you to be in the middle of this, seeing the realization of stuff I'm sure you probably read as a kid. Oh, absolutely. And it's fun to be amongst all the uh, 28-year-old superheroes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're expecting me to do the same stuff. They're like, oh, y'all run at the camera and, and shoot off things. And it's like, they're 28. I am no longer 28. So remember just what kind of superhero Lex is that he's got the age on them, too, and he's still pulling it off. So yeah. that's cool. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. All right, John, great to talk to you. Keep it up, and uh, we'll we'll chat at another time, all right? Okay, thanks. All right, take care. John Cryer, guys, Supergirl, Crisis on Infinite Earth. It's tomorrow at 8 o'clock on The CW. He's really a properly sinister person. As soon as you said that of him in in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I started immediately trying to run down scenes of somebody (laughs) who may have been in the background that didn't say anything but kind of sort of stood out. I mean, because, like, you know, Billy Zane was in... Uh, Back to the Future never right. said one word. I don't think. No, so but, um, I thought maybe, but no, he's flat out was not in that movie at all. See, Nick, you were thinking they mistook it uh, for Charlie Sheen, and I was thinking, well, he he and Matthew Broderick kind of same ilk, same ilk. You know, they very you know, yeah, know, like, but like you, they don't like like John Cusack's in you know in uh, in Sixteen Candles. Yeah. you know, as, as a, a brief sub character, there were there, all of them That's were right. working, working, working in that same. Group yeah. and yeah. would end up in different movies yeah. as their stars started to rise. That's right. I forgot about John Cusack. He's yeah. one of the geeks. One of the geeks. And yeah. uh, now he, he went on to have a huge, huge career on his own. I saw this last week. I didn't get a chance to get to this, but uh, Quentin Tarantino. I think it was at the at the Golden Globes, maybe. Um, and obviously, he's being you know peppered with awards right now for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Right. But did you know that he has a history with the Golden Girls? Yes. I did no. not know this. I do know this story. He was trying to uh, be an actor as well as, you know, he, he shows up, he puts himself in his movies all the time. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's done some roles in, in other films, small roles, but he wanted to be an actor as well as a director. So he was open to going and getting small jobs here and there. And he said, one of the jobs I got uh, uh, and said, not because I did a wonderful audition, but simply because they sent my picture in was for the Golden Girls as an Elvis impersonator on one of the shows. 
and he he was t- talking to Jimmy Fallon about this. But it turns out that that job had a lot to do with his first hit feature film, Reservoir Dogs. He said it became a two-part Golden Girls, so I got paid residuals for both. And it was so popular that they put it on a Best of the Golden Girls, <laughs> and I got residuals every time it showed. So he said I got paid maybe, I don't know, $650 for the episode. But by the time the residuals were over, three years later, I made like $3,000, and that kept me going during our pre-production time trying to get Reservoir Dogs going. So it was just, it was this check that would come in every now and then. And it was kind of keeping him... And he was using all his money, of course, like any starting director might in their film career. They're, They're fueling every bit of, every penny they have into their project. And it was the Golden Girls check that came in. So it's he, it's he, wild. He yeah. got the part. Yeah, he got yeah. the part. He's he he's he's part. on the Golden Girls playing this Elvis impersonator. It's a two part episode. I'm sure we can find footage somewhere. I've yeah. never looked it up, but I, I, I didn't. I I, and I watched that show. I don't when when I heard this story, I'm like, I don't remember that at all. No, but uh, you know how they fuel. It's funny to see. I was watching. Um, I watch uh, Sven Gulli occasionally on uh, MeTV. It's like an old heart, Sven old yeah. st- horror type host. Dude. Yeah, I've watched that. Yeah, show. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they'll run horror movies. He's great. I really. It, it, it's done exactly in that Wait. style of being cheesy, crappy. Were you watching the one with the professor the other day? I was watching. It was Revenge of the Creature, the creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh, okay. No, I was watching one where it was. I think it's called. They came from outer space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Russell Johnson, who played the professor on Gilligan's oh, yes. Island, oh, no kidding, was in that. Oh, the, the, and, and this Island Earth is probably what you're thinking. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, so, they, so I have a question though. Yeah. So, so the Sven Gulli. I remember when I was a kid, your local programming would have the dude that would dress scary and introduce the, the horror movies. But but this is current time, and he's he's introducing old scary movies. Rubber chicken sound effects, the whole yeah. thing. Oh, he's in a grip. It's, it's it. the whole deal. Sven Gulli. I need to see that. So uh, and uh, <laughs> Preston, I'm watching Revenge of the Creature, and one of the lab assistants in this movie. It's the sequel to Creature from the Black Lagoon. Clint Eastwood. No way. Playing, playing the goofy lab assistant. Whoa. It's effing hilarious. So did you have to look it up afterwards, or did you know I, I, right you away? You could recognize him instantly. That's he's also cool. in, in, uh, in uh, Tarantula and, okay. and, and other movies. Yeah, he's the beginning of his career. It's funny, because I, I know I, I watched Golden Girls regularly. Like, I, I tuned in, and I know, Nick, you did as well. Yeah. There was, like, a episode that you just absolutely love that you've... Referenced on our show, many is a Miami episode, yeah, right? Miami is nice, so I'll say it thrice. <laughs> Miami is nice. Miami is nice. But it's it's wild because my kids <laughs> do not watch shows on their own that don't have just children in it. Huh. Do, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and here I am. I'm watching Golden Girls. I watch Coach. Like all these shows that like well, the programming was limited. That's why. Yeah, it's what and you I, had. It's what you had to watch. I watched you know Benson and all that stuff. I always stayed away from like like I, I wanted. I never wanted to be the kid in a movie. I wanted to be this. Like I wanted yeah. to be Indiana Jones. I wanted to be James Bond. I didn't want to be his cousin. Yeah, but I remember as a kid seeing seeing the kid as a hero was. I mean, like I remember there was a there was a movie or a TV show called The Whiz Kid or something yeah. like that. I loved it because the kid was super smart and he created all these little gadgets and things. I thought that was awesome. I get that, and I know a lot of kids responded that way. Yeah. I was I was always like, I want to be that. I want to be the, the the head guy. Steve, I, I didn't watch Maud, but I loved B. Arthur. And I wanted to be Maud. <laughs> no, just this is talking about actors. And so oh. there was an episode on because I watched Me TV Me TV too. Yeah, and um, there was an episode that made me think of you. I almost called you because it. it cracked <laughs> me up they uh maude became infatuated with henry fonda 
and <laughs> and she wanted Henry Fonda to run for president. Right. So she created this false charity and somehow gave five thousand dollars to Henry Fonda's charity. And Henry Fonda showed up. And it was, right, it right. was Henry Fonda playing himself. Wow. On Maud. On Maud. Yeah. I lost it. And he walks through the door. And it was typical 70s sitcom type of, of behavior and, and, you know, laugh track and whatever Your else. Your face but- looks like a smash head butthole. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Me TV, they have billboards in the city now, yeah. and they're promoting the Flintstones are on at like six or six thirty every night. I know oh, it's lo- crazy. So, I know it's so stupid that we we're watching recan show, but Me TV does it well. They do the Flintstones into the Honeymooners. I always hated the Honeymooners, but I loved the Flintstones, and they're the same show. Basically. It's the same show, yeah. yeah. But I, yeah, I didn't like the Honeymooners because Ralph Cramden was an a hole. Yeah, he just Alice, you know, I'm gonna beat you to death. With right. a hammer. Right. Yeah. That's kind yeah. of what the yeah. implication. I mean, to the if moon. If my dinner isn't on the table at 530, yeah. I'll punch you in the throat until you die. Yeah. Uh. To the moon, essentially, was that. I'm going to punch yeah. you to the moon. Yeah. Uh. Mm-hmm. Ah, the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw you down the stairs and beat you with a sack of oranges. <laughs> to the moon. They love But it. not before I strangle you and... Rub a hot iron across your face. <laughs> then I'm going to cover you in pork chop sauce and put you into a pit with rabid dogs. Wow. I'm going to cut you up so bad you'll never be able to have children. <laughs> oh, my God. Huh. I'll remove your breasts with a wet, red, uh, wood planer. <laughs> to me, it was so depressing, too, because they had their, their, their clothing... Yeah, was in a bureau in the kitchen. Uh, well, they were, yeah, they were poor. I mean, they were, I, I, they were just I, I, making ends meet. But yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, there's, there's, <laughs> Desi Arnaz used to beat his wife too. Yeah, because I remember she spent Those too eight. much. She yeah. spent too much money on like hats or something like that. And there was an episode he bent her over his knee and spanked her. Oh, and there was another episode <laughs> one time, Casey. I yes. kid you not, she had done something that was going to piss him off, so she decided to go and get a sunburn so that he wouldn't hit her. <laughs> I oh my that's God. what television programming was. Lucy, I'm going to throw you down the elevator shaft. <laughs> Lucy, I'm going to take your back, tie you to the dumpster, and drive the car into you. <laughs> oh, Ricky. 1950s programming, wow. man. Jeanette, I'm going to cut your head off. That's ridiculous. Columbia necktie. <laughs> Break your legs. See, the audience ate it up, yeah. though. They loved it. You know? There was an episode of Different Strokes where Arnold uh, got in trouble, and uh, Mr. Drummond, because he wasn't his actual father... Put him in a wood chipper? No. They brought his uncle in to, to beat him with a belt. I'm not lying. That's... <laughs> like, that was a legit episode. Storyline. Yeah. Here, oh uh, get the switch gosh. over here. Get I your can't, uncle. I can't beat you. <laughs> But fortunately, we found someone who can. Do you remember in the Dick Van Dyke show when uh, Dick Van Dyke slammed Mary Tyler Moore's head in the car door? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because the mashed potatoes were lumpy? The the, the audience loved it. (laughs) They were lumpy? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to make your head lumpy. (laughs) Curb stomp you. It's American History X. <laughs> oh, my God. Alice, Alice, put your mouth on the yeah. curb. <laughs> oh, my God. That's terrible. Ah. That's terrible. Ah, that hurt. 
I don't know how we got started on this. It's the good old days, man. Hey, oh, um, oh, because the Flintstones yeah. and the Honeymooners, that's why. Well, it okay. started with Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's why I didn't like... I, the Honeymooners, to me, was very depressing. Mm. Um, Though I, I certainly appreciated the talent of Jackie Gleason. Well, a, a much more wholesome show is the Dr. Oz show. Oh, there yeah. you go. I have a question about the uh, program last Friday, Dr. Oz. Uh, he had Dr. Pimple Popper on. Uh, by the so way, disgusting. Steve... I, Rochelle, um, and, and sorry, folks, who are about yeah. to call in about this, but uh, you had mentioned, you said, uh, if you think Dr. Pimple Popper is gnarly, watch this show about the feet. The feet. Did you see it? I didn't, but I heard Rochelle go, oh, my God. And I go, what? She's like, they're doing foot surgery. I go, that's that show that Steve told me about. Right. <laughs> like like rotting, gnarly to- toes, uh, toenails ripped off. Oh, um, God. Oh, God. You know, pussy, rancid feet. That's what the show is about. All right. If you well, guys can find the uh, the the uh, commercial for it, or not, whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it'll, it'll uh, work. Have to. All right. So we're going to take caller twenty with the correct answer to go to. So on last Friday's show, Doctor Pimple Popper removes a near thirteen pound lipoma from a patient, which is a fat cell that grew onto a into a very large mass. What part of the body did this lipoma form on this patient? 215-263-WMMR. Don't forget, Dr. Oz is on weekdays, 2 o'clock on Fox 29. So if you missed Friday's show, watch today. We'll have a question about today's show tomorrow. But right now we're asking about Friday's show. So in what part What part of the body did this lipoma form on this patient with Dr. Pimple Popper? 215-263-WMMR. We're still calling number 20. Come back, get the answer, and the beast file... <laughs> As well, stay stay with us. Easy. Easy peasy. Easy as pie. Easier than a dog licking his dish. It's MMR's Easy Money Contest. Your shot at $1,000 cash five times every weekday. Tune in at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. As well as 1, 4, and 6 p.m. to hear that hour's winning keyword. It's also easy to enter. It's the first thing on the MMR app. Top of the page at WMMR.com. Or use the special contest short code. 45911. One random entry wins 1000 bucks in cash. Every time. MMR's Easy Money. Five times every weekday. At 8 a.m., 11 a.m., 1 p.m., 4 p.m., and 6 p.m. Sponsored by Meineke. Total car care since 1972. Complete contest rules are available at WMMR.com. All right, we need to give away $500. Mm-hmm. And we're doing it courtesy of the Dr. Oz Show in Fox 29. So the question that I had from Friday's show uh, for the person on the phone line is, <clears throat> Dr. Pimple Popper removes a near 13-pound lipoma from a patient, which is a fat cell that grew into a very large mass. What part of the body did this lipoma form on this patient? So I said we were going to start with 20th, call it 20. Uh, it is Harry. Hey, Harry, how you doing? Good morning. Good morning. All right, Harry. So, <laughs> What's going on in the background there, Harry? Harry? I'm here. I'm here. Sorry. Yeah, so what, what all is going on in the background there? That's guys at work. Let me oh, the guys at work. Okay. <laughs> all right. So <laughs> do me a favor. Tell me where on the part, what part of the body did this lipoma form on this patient? That was on the back. On the back uh-huh. is correct. <laughs> you got it, Harry. And I got $500 for you, pal. You guys rock. That's going to come in handy in Orlando on Sunday. Oh, oh. Yeah. 
Perfect timing. Excellent. All right, my man, hang on the line. We'll get your information. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can get a daily dose of the Dr. Oz Show. Each day, Dr. Oz offers health tips, true crime stories, food investigations, and celebrity interviews. Watch the Dr. Oz Show weekdays at 2 on Fox 29. Make sure you watch today because tomorrow we will have a question from today's show. By the way, they're doing 10 Unexpected ways to use your microwave Whoa. today. Ooh. So there you go. All right, we got to do the bizarre file. Here we go. Now, bizarre. WMMR presents Kristen and Steve's bizarre. bizarre file. Let's see what stories we have for you now. We'll start with this. Uh, Las Vegas firefighters. I thought this was funny. Discovered what officials described as an illegal. Homemade gas station in someone's backyard. Uh, you got to do something. Make some money. Fire and Rescue shared images of the makeshift gas station discovered by firefighters showing two yellow tanks in the corner of a walled yard with gas pump with a gas pump nozzle on one end of the hose. Uh, it's not that, really gas. It's Five Alive. Did mm-hmm. they get this idea from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? I don't know. Okay, because there was an episode where they were going to invest in gasoline because they figured gas prices are going up. So whatever they bought it for uh, today, they'll be able to sell. Oh, yeah. 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 Maybe Um, they did. The hose was long enough to reach from the yard to the street for possible curbside fill-ups, the department said. That's great. The backyard station may be part of an illegal trend involving people who purchase gasoline with stolen credit card information before emptying the fuel into storage containers Uh, of private homes. And there's probably a risk of explosion and other things, right? Uh, The city's code enforcement, yes, uh, is investigating the case and citations are possible for the homeowners. Because I was going to set up a nuclear power plant in Mm -hmm. my backyard, but Mm -hmm. I thought better of it. A 22-year-old suspect stole golf balls from an elderly man, then beat him after claiming that he was going to apologize. Deputies said <laughs> they were called to Stone Creek Golf Club Wednesday morning, found the 67-year-old victim suffering from multiple bruises, a black eye that was swollen nearly shut, injuries to his mouth, and a broken rib. Why the hell would they do that? He was taken to the hospital. He received nine stitches. The victim said he was golfing when Tyler Dearden started taking golf balls out of his bucket. I guess they were at the driving range. And when he told him to stop, Dearden began yelling and cursing at the man. So Dearden followed the victim as he went to the pro shop to report the incident. And when the victim went back to the driving range, Dearden claimed he wanted to apologize, but instead he punched the victim in the face and knocked him to the ground. Liar! Deputies said witnesses saw Dearden hitting the victim in the head, punching him repeatedly, and kicking him in the chest. Uh, Dearden uh, claimed that he was defending himself because the elderly man, quote, pointed a golf club at him. Was it loaded? That's what I'm not (laughs) sure. That might have been the misunderstanding. Uh, I always think of these driving ranges as a lot more sedate and relaxing. Very much so, unless you get a psycho who shows up there. Dearden was also upset about being kicked out of the golf club since he lives in the community. Uh, He was arrested on charge of aggravated battery. I don't need your stupid golf club. Police say a woman has been charged with murder after a man with dog bites was found dead. Uh, The state trooper on the case said they'll be able to tell if it was a gunshot, a dog bite, or a heart attack. Deputies responded, yeah. That's the kind of tech we have now. We can discern between a a dog bite, a gunshot, or a heart attack. Deputies responded to a 911 call when they got to the home on, by the way, on Pug Lane, where this guy was bit by a dog. And it was a dog bite. They were met by an overly aggressive dog. 38-year-old Melissa Wolke sicked her pit bull on a man. 
A neighbor who called 911 says witnessed uh, she witnessed uh, Wolke attacking a man and giving her dog commands to attack him. When officers arrived at the home, they found Wolke in the backyard sitting on the man and punching him in the face while the dog was attacking him. In the interest for their safety and everyone in the neighborhood, they had to put the animal down. The victim had dog bites on his face and head, but no one could say for certain if he was killed by those bite wounds. According to Walkie's arrest citation, she appeared to have blood on her hands and feet and a large clump of hair in her hands that were consistent with the victim's hair. During an interview, Walkie said that she was, quote, going redneck on a man <laughs> and that she was the owner of the pit bull who she calls Denali. Autopsies will be conducted on both the victim and the dog to determine a possible cause of death. So they, so then, then there was a heart attack as a result of all this? They don't know. They don't know. They, they're, they're not sure. They're, he was so scared of the dog, he had a heart attack, and then he shot himself before he could die of the heart attack? Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe while he was being beaten, it was just too much for his heart to take. Maybe he had a condition. I don't really know, but they're looking into it. Well, good luck. All right, one last story. This one's pretty wild. A Utah man has been rescued from the Alaskan wilderness approximately three weeks after a fire burned his home to the ground, killed his dog, and left him without much food, clothing, or shelter. Tyson Steele was found among the rubble of his remote homestead on Thursday morning. And that's a superhero name. Uh, Tyler Steele. Tyson Steele, yeah. yeah. Well, after friends asked authorities, uh, they found him after friends asked authorities to perform a welfare check after not hearing from him. In aerial footage shared by the troopers, Tyson steps out among the snow-covered remains of his home, waving to the troopers in a helicopter. A large SOS was carved out of the snow behind him. Uh, he said, everything that I owned was consolidated in that cabin. In the weeks after the fire, Steele said that he survived on the remnants of canned rations and peanut butter, sleeping in a snow cave and makeshift shelter that he built around his wood stove. Sounds fun. Steele had been living on his homestead since September. He described his home as a uh, concept hut, a lightweight frame yeah. covered in plastic tarps that he bought from a Vietnam veteran. Not very durable. No, he admitted to the uh, troopers that the fire resulted from a hasty mistake. In a hurry to get a fire started, he struck a large piece of cardboard or stuck a large piece of cardboard into his wood stove. He believes a piece of the flaming cardboard went out of the chimney and then landed on the roof. He woke up in the middle of the night, uh, and he couldn't recall the exact date, but he heard melting plastic coming from the roof. Jesus Christ. After Seal stepped outside, he said, I just see that the whole roof is on fire. Uh, he started grabbing everything that he could, including blankets and a rifle, but his real priority was his six-year-old chocolate lab, Phil. He ordered Phil outside. When he jumped off the bed, Steele assumed that he had left the house. Uh, but when he went outside, he heard Phil howling, oh, and the, the dog didn't make it. Yeah, I said oh. that at the top. The dog died. Uh, Steele didn't have much time to mourn, though. He needed a survival plan. He didn't know enough about the surrounding area, including which of the many waterways in the area would be frozen uh, over enough to cross. He gathered the food that survived the fire enough to have two cans a day for a month, uh, but a lot of the food had popped open in the heat of the blaze. Um, he had a phone, but it didn't work, and so he waited for people to call about him. Uh, he, had, he had forgotten uh, to spell uh, SOS. He made an SOS signal in the snow, tracing it with ash from the fire to make it stand out. It's actually really, uh, he did a good job. It's very readable from the air. Did you see it? Yeah. 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 It was so cold, he said that his urine would freeze in a bucket by the fire after just a few minutes. That's pretty cool. But finally, about 20 days after the fire, he saw the Alaska State Troopers helicopter from above, and they saved him. So he was not going to make it. No. Yeah, yeah. Got lucky that they came across him. And there you go. That's what I have in the bizarre file this morning. Been having some technical issues. Apparently, streaming is back. Yay! Yay! 
Hey! Whatever you missed will be on today's podcast after the show, Marissa is letting me know. so It's uh, like a little adventure now. You get to go hunting for the content that should have been delivered right when we were airing it. Yep, it is back up and running. So uh, there's a, Marissa <laughs> tweeted out a, uh, a a gif of Herman Munster with the headphones on. <laughs> it's hilarious. Great. I can't stop looking at it. So anyhow. There are some gifs that just uh, yes, crack you the F up. I, I love it. All right, so if, you would, uh, if you're streaming, then welcome back. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back in a second, and uh, we'll get to the lesson question, the trash, the music news. We have a new Word of the Week prize to tell you about that and get you set for the winning in that regard, too. So stay put. We'll return shortly. Listen to all the WMMR podcasts as well as a live stream on your Alexa-enabled device. Just say, Alexa, open MMR. Back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. I'm caught up. I was thinking about Neil and the band and so on. And uh, an awesome time for a sad occasion yesterday. And I want to thank Pierre Robert, who will be in here in a moment, for spending that time with me yesterday, where we did a special tribute to uh, Neil Peart and all his greatness. It was great. And for accessibility to that, Preston, we I know we're going to have, we have the... Uh, the... Mike Portnoy interview going up, and then the whole thing will go up as well, correct? Correct, yeah. We won't have the music, and and I need to get the list of the songs we played. Pierre actually uh, had a list of them. I don't know if he still has it or not, but uh, we went in we went in deep and played some really cool stuff, things that I don't think have ever been played on the radio before. <laughs> we played this song called Losing It from uh, Signals, which uh, when we were done, I'm like, I can't believe we just played that. We played Something for Nothing from uh, 2112, which is... Not one of the you know the more well known songs off that album, but Bill gave us the uh, the go ahead. So play whatever you want. So I was like, all right, that's pretty cool of Bill to do that. And that's you know we're a station that can do that, so that's cool. Yep. Uh, So we're going to do the lesson question today. We're going to give away a four pack of tickets for the Philly Home Show uh, coming up this weekend. You already had weekend number one this past weekend. I went by there, visited Kathy Ah. at a very lovely IKEA display. Yes, thank you for coming by. That was fun. No problem. And uh, I think you're. Win. I think oh, yours was you. the best by far. Thanks. All right. So the question that we have this morning: um, the Little Women are all under how tall? Two one five two six three WMOI. Okay. So the Little Women are all under how tall? Two one five two six three WMMR. Call right now. We'll do the trash while you are calling in. The trash business is a gold mine. Ninety three three WMMR with Preston and Steve's Hollywood Trash. Let's hear those stories, Steve. Well, Preston, though they said it would never happen, Gigi Hadid and Zayn Malik are dating again. <gasps> yeah, Malik says being with Gigi is like slipping into a comfortable old vagina. Oh my. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. Actor DJ Qualls officially coming out as gay while on stage at a Jim Jeffries show. The news came as a shock to many in the audience with the absolute worst gaydar in history. Yeah. Oh. And finally, Gwyneth Paltrow causing a major uproar on her Goop website by selling a $75 candle called This Smells Like My Vagina. Paltrow is also marketing a toothpaste called This Tastes Like One of My Turds Smeared With Snot. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And that's your Hollywood trash. All right, I think thank that's going to be a tough sell, right? Yeah. By the way, did, I thought DJ Qualls came out years ago. So he did I. Yeah. I was surprised. But he made the official announcement the, over huh. the weekend. Okay. I, I, you know, I, 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 when the story popped up, I'm like, is this an old story? But no, yeah. he was at a 
Jim Jeffrey show. Interesting. All right. Well, let's see if somebody knows the answer to this. Uh, the Little Women are all under how tall? Two one five two six three WMMR. And we will go to Mike for the answer. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Good. How are you guys? You guys rock. Thank oh! you, Mike. Uh, the Little Women are all under how tall? Four foot. Yep, you got it. Hang on, Mike. We're going to give you a four-pack of tickets for the Philly Home Show, and it'll be coming up this weekend, the the 17th through the 19th, at the January 17th. (laughs) At the Pennsylvania Convention Center, you can visit phillyhomeshow.com for tickets. All right, we're going to do music news. Now, Preston and Steve's Music News on 93.3. WMMR. Yeah. All right. The lead story in music news is obviously the loss of the uh, the great Neil Peart and how stunned everyone was. The news came down on Friday. He had actually passed away on Tuesday. He had a three and a half year battle with brain cancer. Uh, the 67 year old Canadian drummer, lyricist, and author passed away in Santa Monica, California. Uh, just four and a half years after he and uh, Rush had retired from the stage. The surviving members of Rush, Getty and Alex, issued a statement in which they said their friend, soul brother, and bandmate of 45 years was incredibly brave in the fight against his illness. Not too long after, an immense outpouring of grief-stricken tributes began from both fellow musicians and fans, for whom Peart was a lasting, monumental inspiration. Dave Grohl was one of those. He inducted Rush into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame along with Taylor Hawkins and cited Neil as the reason he began playing drums in the first place. He said, today, the world lost a true giant in the history of rock and roll, an inspiration to millions with an unmistakable sound who spawned generations of musicians like myself to pick up two sticks and chase a dream. A kind, thoughtful, brilliant man who ruled our radios and turntables not only with his drumming, but also his beautiful words. Thank you, Neil, for making our lives a better place with your music. You will forever be remembered and sorely missed by all of us. And my heartfelt condolences to the Rush family. Uh, Taylor Hawkins uh, had a shorter, simple statement. Neil Peart had the hands of God. End of story. Uh, other people had uh, made statements. Lars Ulrich, uh, Kenny Aronoff, uh, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said we lost a legend. But his influence and legacy will live on forever in the hearts of music lovers in Canada and around the world. Tool paid tribute. Uh, they played a concert Friday night in San Diego. And in, during Danny Carey's drum solo, a photo of uh, Danny and Neil was projected onto the massive screen behind the stage. They were friends. They did stuff together. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> um, Similar... Um... A bit well, uh, th- he's a great drummer as well. Oh yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny Carey's amazing and and absolutely influenced by Neil. In fact, I've seen videos of those two uh, and along with Stuart Copeland jamming. He, he and Stuart were very good friends. Stuart finally uh, posted something this morning. I saw uh, about it. He had kind of held off. Uh, Tool also played a partial cover of a passage to Bangkok in tribute to Neil. Um, and uh, other rock stars posted tributes. Paul Stanley, Flea, Gene Simmons, Billy Corrigan said there isn't a modern rock drummer alive who hasn't heard of him and spoken his name with a reverence that res- that's reserved for the very few. Uh, Weezer's Patrick Wilson, I like this. He said his dedication and rededication to his craft is a lesson in always improving. There was a time where Neil wanted to completely rehash and relearn how to play. 
And uh, he went back to an old master named um, uh, Freddie Gruber and had him strip Neil down and start all over. Really? Him. Yeah, yeah. And he, well, did. he didn't think he was he wanted, up he, to snuff? He wanted more feel. He didn't want right. to be uh, quite as metronomic. He didn't want to be quite as mechanical as he had been. And he wanted to learn feel in playing yeah. drums. And and uh, Freddie taught him the way. He was very... He was very uh, Yoda esque, right? Uh, uh, drum, drum guru. Uh, Brian Wilson uh, said Neil was one of the great drummers, and he'll be missed. Uh, Tony Iommi said we've lost another one of the greats, and and the tributes go on and on and on. Huh. So uh, his uh, his effect in the in the world of rock music uh, uh, continues and and will continue to influence uh, uh, specifically percussionists. I, I know I was talking to a friend of mine. Uh, Michelle was talking to a friend of ours whose son is a drummer, and, and he's a kid, and he's just he was playing Rush all day yesterday. Really? So, yeah. So well, there you go. It lives on. It continues absolutely. So sad news, and I know that uh, you know we we did uh, 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 Pierre and I did a three and a half hour tribute yesterday with clips and music, and uh, we uh, of course had an interview with uh, Mike Portnoy. Uh, you know what? I'll play one of those clips real quick, Casey, if you don't mind. We can pull up the, the Mike Portnoy. One of the, I, I didn't play earlier uh, about talking about how Neil rose the bar as far as uh, being a drummer goes. Here we go. You know, you had uh, you know Keith Moon, John Bonham, Ginger Baker, Mitch Mitchell. Um, but then Neil came out and just rose the bar to a whole nother level. Uh, playing these complex patterns and odd time signatures and the mammoth drum kit. I remember just staring at pictures of his drum kit the way most other kids were looking at Playboy centerfolds. I'd be looking at pictures of his drum kit. I got to see somewhere. I have a uh, I have a couple of pictures of my room when I was probably fourteen, fifteen, somewhere in right. that range. And uh, yeah, the majority of it's taken up of, of drum kits and of Neil on the walls. <laughs> uh, so the posters and everything were up. I mean, I, I enjoyed. <laughs> listening to the program yesterday and, and you know it's 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 a bittersweet thing right it's like when you yeah. uh, you see somebody at a funeral and, hey it's good to see you terrible under these circumstances but yeah. you know i haven't seen you in a while and, and so listening to you like i thought you did such a really really nice job explaining you know to the lay person what his contribution meant to you Right. And at one point, it was later on in the program, you were you were talking about um, the odd time signatures. And these are things that, you know, I'm not a musician, so they don't necessarily make sense to me. But, you know, in the way you described it, um, it made me appreciate what they do that much more. Because cool. you're just listening to it, and, and to, to the, you know, average listener, it, you know, yeah, this all makes sense. But to the musician, you're like, no, this makes, this shouldn't make, this should right. not make sense. Yeah. Right. Uh, Pierre had a similar uh, comment about, um, you know, because I started telling him about odd time signatures and what those mean and how difficult they are to play. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he said, you know what? He goes, music is like a language to me. It's weird. I understand it, but I don't speak it. So yeah, you know, okay. that, that's kind of the way he he described. Him. Okay, that's that's a that's a really good uh, analogy. So I understand the language. I just don't speak it. And that's his uh, relationship to music. So it's a wonderful analogy. Yeah. Uh, well, I do have a few other stories, and, and Pierre's going to have a workforce block of uh, Rush today. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. Um, Pearl Jam. I've uploaded an image of an electrocardiogram on their social media accounts with the words Pearl Jam spelled out in the middle. So it's like a heart monitor, and the you know the little beeps uh, are spell out Pearl Jam. A second post was more detailed, containing a video of a map of the world with various cities marked. The same map on the band's website featured coordinates around the world. 
as well as a message that read, we have something special for you. Locate the nearest marker and activate the lens once you arrive. And what happens? The three coordinates in the U.S. lead to spots in Venice, California, Seattle, and uh, New York City. Drink your oval tea. <laughs> Crummy commercial. God damn it. Where animated billboards featured an image of polar ice cliffs melting and one word, giget, uh wait, oh, gigaton. No, no, gigaton. Gigaton. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's a G- new exercise bike. G- there, uh, nope, uh, it's not that. G-I-G-A-T-O-N. Oh. Uh, so that's apparently, uh, the rumor is, that that's the name of the new album, Gigaton. Huh. Gigaton and uh, these art installations are in those places where they have up on, uh, on their Instagram and, and social media accounts. Um, these art installations are pretty cool, and so it's a hint as to what the album's going to be and an art installation on top of that. Pearl Jam also... I'm re- better when I get home from work. I don't have time to go to the gym. <laughs> and then I just hop on my gigaton. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, everybody! It's time to gigaton. I'm here. Uh, Eddie's easy at the front of the class. Absolutely. He's leading the way. You see, Eddie's joined us. Yeah, I love this. Yeah. <laughs> you know what kills me? If I may go off on a slight tangent here. Yeah. In the Peloton commercials. Yeah. They're sweating all over hardwood floors. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it comes with the down. rubber mat. Put a mat down. Yeah. That's probably a good idea. It's just, just horrible for your wood floors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Back water's you. the worst thing. Absolutely. For wood floors, no question. Dumbasses. Gigaton. Gigaton. <laughs> Pearl, I got my mat down. Uh, Pearl Jam also recently booked a European tour for next summer. The clearest sign yet that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Act is gearing up for a return to action in 2020. Yeah. The 13-date trek, which will feature support from uh, the Pixies, Ides, uh, or is it Idols? I D L E S, I think is that, and uh, White, Idles. White Idles. Reaper, Idles, the Idles, <laughs> who marked the band's first live appearance. Good in nearly to be two on years. stage with the Idles. <laughs> By the way, my prep this morning was printed on. I mean, it's it's like the bottom of the Willy Wonka freaking contract that he had people sign. It's barely legible. By the way, why is there even a setting like that? Um, unless you're a know. Falcon and you're purchasing a printer, yeah. why would you have a setting? That small. I don't know. And why would a Falcon need a printer? Well, you know, <laughs> correspondence. Well, they don't know how to write. I am a Falcon. I hear you're one, too. Please respond. <laughs> I mean, they have wings. They can't even put a pen in their hands. Yeah. It makes no. sense that they, they can use it, it in their beak, though. Well, um, yes. I'm just trying to sort these things you out. You tune a piano, you can't tune a fish. Hmm. But you can teach a Falcon to purchase a printer. <laughs> Although Dave, although Dave Matthews Band won the fan vote that uh, this year's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction class, the top five was rounded out by Pat Benatar, the Doobie Brothers, Soundgarden, and Judas Priest. Fans were able to cast their vote at the museum in Cleveland on its website. They could also vote on Google by searching Rock uh, Hall Fan Vote or any nominee name plus vote through January 10th, and fans could vote up to five nominees every day, four or five nominees every day. So Google searches are available to everyone, Preston? Yes, they are. (laughs) As of midnight, January 10th, what's today, the 13th, um, Dave Matthews' band received uh, just over a million votes, while Pat Benatar had 882,000, the Doobie Brothers had 784,000, Soundgarden 722,000, and Priest... 675,000. And Leif Garrett has three. Of the other Hard Rock nominees, Thin Lizzy placed eighth, Motorhead came in ninth, and Nine Inch Nails was on the was 11th on the spot. 
They're all legit. I uh, yeah, you know, too legit to quit. I would say, but they're yeah. they're. Um, who do you think is going to make it? I mean, Dave Matthews has a nice lead, mm-hmm. but Pat Benatar could. Of all those bands, I think the Doobie Brothers deserve it the most. They have they have the most um, storied history, I think, and, and, and their iterations and so many songs. They had, yeah. a, lo- they had a long run. Uh, they had a lot of songs. Yeah. And uh, they were just a great, solid band. And two stages with uh, Tom Johnston, right? Is that his name? Yeah, Tom Johnston and then Michael McDonald. Michael yeah. <laughs> And they're touring this summer with Michael McDonald. Yeah. Uh, so the top five artists selected by the public compromise, uh, compromise, not compromise, they comprise the fan ballot uh, that will be tallied and factored in along with the other ballots sent uh, to approximately 1,000 artists, historians, and members of the music industry. Um, so the top five getters will be announced on Wednesday the 15th and inducted May 2nd at Cleveland's Public Hall. So. Mm-hmm. How about this? Uh, Gibson and Slash have announced the release of the first ever Slash collection, which will feature multiple acoustic and electric guitars. What? Yeah, the collection will. Oh, Gibson. I got you. Mel Gibson. <laughs> the Gibson. Yeah, Mel Gibson guitar. <laughs> it has all these sayings etched <laughs> yeah. into the, uh, into the uh, wood. <laughs> Uh, so the collection will officially premiere... It's the Mel Gibson collection of guitars, featuring all his rants emblazoned on every guitar. <laughs> the whore edition no. features a Stratocaster pickup. <laughs> the collection will officially... What the hell was that That's, bra- that's uh, Braveheart. Why yeah. is he doing that? <laughs> Imagine if that's the speech he delivered when he was on the horse. Hit it again, Case. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, Nick. He was just. He was such. A, he was at the end of his rope with oh, her, okay. and then he was just kind of like somebody would go yeah, <laughs> like that, and then he did an evil laugh. <laughs> and so I, you know, we got to get that phone connection because that's really good. Yeah, gets a lot of high end. So the collection will officially officially premiere at the Gibson Experience yeah. Place <laughs> uh, at the Gibson Experience. <laughs> <laughs> During Winter Nam 2020 in Anaheim on January 15th through the 19th. Uh, so Slash and Gibson, uh, Luthiers. Luthiers? Yeah, what's a Luthier? As in Lex Luthier? <laughs> L-U-T-H-I-E-R. Is that a guitar maker? I'm not familiar. I've never heard that brand. Worked in close collaboration on the collection at Gibson's headquarters in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, the line features four Les Paul standard electric guitars and two J45 standard acoustic guitars. Oh, it's, like, Can, it's a music store. Oh. Kind of like a George's. Oh. Are you a... Oh, sorry. I'm try, trying to help him. <laughs> Are you a Martin guitar guy or what's your... I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. own a Martin acoustic guitar. Absolutely. Oh. Do you play it anymore or you, you're back to the drums, right? I have neglected it because I've been focusing and practicing really, really hard at playing the drums. I've decided I want to be a really good drummer. But when he passes by the guitar, he, he says... Oh, you're yeah, I do acknowledge <laughs> yeah. the guitar's existence. That's a Mel Gibson guitar. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, you're there. It yeah. actually yells at you if you don't take lessons. <laughs> what? No! <laughs> I want to I pursue drumming. No! <laughs> but, but Mel Gibson guitar, I really do. I like, no! I do. I like drumming more. You just showed me what you are. <laughs> Oh. It's the guitar. It'll make you a virtuoso in a weekend. Yeah. Do you think I'm a decent guitar player? 
Oh, my God. <laughs> you have one more chance. Wow. You thought Whiplash was bad. Me one last right? Chance. Yeah. Forget Whiplash. I just want to be a drummer. Stop being that! <laughs> The Mel Gibson guitar. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. You have one more chance. <laughs> Gentle messages of encouragement helping <laughs> you along. I'm telling you. I'm just telling you the truth. <laughs> the most candid guitar you'll ever own. <laughs> Stop being that. The fucking guitar. All right. One last story. A tribute concert for the late Eddie Money has been announced for Uh. February 20th at L.A.'s The Canyon at the Sabin Theater. Among Money's friends already slotted to play are Sammy Hagar, Rick Springfield, George Thorogood, John Waite, and Mickey Thomas of Jefferson Starship. Additional acts will be announced. Uh, Actually, Louis Anderson is going to host the star-studded tribute. Was he friends with uh, Eddie Money? I don't know. It's a chance that he could have been. Eddie died on September 13th. He was 70 years old, less than a month after announcing that he'd been diagnosed with stage four esophageal cancer. Maybe uh, Louis Anderson will sing Two Tickets to Paradise. We can only I've help. Got two tickets <laughs> to paradise. Won't you pack your bags with me tonight? <laughs> oh my God. I've got two tickets to paradise. <laughs> Just like Louis sang, <laughs> be my little baby. <laughs> Can you do a little baby hold on to me as well? Oh, sing it again. Baby, hold, hold on, on to me. me. Whatever will <laughs> be, will be. If future's ours to see. Baby, what's the things you've been saying about me behind my back? Yes, it. Um, by the way, he had, uh, he had a, um, take me home tonight was, uh, take me home tonight was only one of two of his songs to hit the top 10. I love two tickets to paradise. Uh, it hit number four and the Tin Man and 1988's walk on water hit number eight. Those were his biggest hits, believe it or not. Uh, before that, the closest he had gotten was 1978's Baby Hold On, which topped at number 11. Think I'm in Love, which is number 16. Amazingly, his signature hit, Two Tickets to Paradise, got no further than number 22 on the Hot 100 billboard. It's a crime. It is a crime. Yes, like Her brothers said we, they were afraid when he died that uh, that would all go away. I'm like, no, that's like even more reason it's to a those voicemails. Yeah, honor him. Yeah. Do you still save those or do you still have them? Yeah, you know, we haven't. She moved home. She doesn't live in Denver anymore. She mo- she lives here. So um, when we call each other, I think we get to talk more. So we don't really leave messages. Okay. All right. So anyhow, they're going to be having a tribute. What's this song? It's just shaking. Rosanna's daddy had a car. She loved to drive. She was shaking. Yep. I like the video to this song. All the right. girl in this video, do you remember the... Uh, yeah, she's like a Latina, yeah. really buxom gal. Uh, Firebrand. Rosanna, yeah. All right, and there you go. That's uh, that's music news for you. You guys want to find out what a luthier is? Please. I have a professional luthier on the line. This is Tim. Hey, Tim. Hey. Hey, hey so, how's it going? Good. So you're a luthier? I am a luthier. Okay, what do you do? Yes. A luthier is somebody who builds and or restores... Fretted instruments. Oh. So it's legit. I thought this was going to be a joke of some type. Okay. 
No, no, it's not. It comes from the word lute, okay. which is an early type of prayer instrument, uh, one who makes lute. Sure. Like a lute and, and so a lyre. Right, exactly. A luthier. Right. Oh. Luthier who makes lute. Wow. It says here, uh, Nick just pulled this up on uh, Wikipedia, that it's um, people who build and repair any stringed instruments. Correct. That have a neck and a sound box, it says. Necks and sound box. Most of it refers to to fretted instruments. Okay. Well, that's... that's, And and is work good for you, Tim? Um, I've got work, like, a whole room full of work. Yeah, I've I've been been doing it since the early 90s, and, and, yeah, lots of work. I would imagine because, um, yeah, that's that's a thing that takes time. You don't just you know crank them out. You got to spend some some time and and really take care of the instrument. Exactly, especially with restoring vintage instruments. They they're yeah, it takes enormous amounts of time. I watch labor intensive work. I watch a there's a YouTube video. Um, so um, uh, uh, oh my god, Willie Nelson has his guitar. It's called Trigger. Hmm. It's it's beat to death. It's, yeah. it's just absolutely destroyed. And he has to take it in before tours and have it refurbished by this guy who I guess is a luthier. And the meticulous yeah. nature of how this guy repairs. Have you ever seen it? Yeah, I have, yeah. It's pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I know that guy. His name's Dan Erlewine. Oh, there you wow. go. Look at you. You guys all hang out. Uh, what is the most expensive instrument you've ever been asked to restore? Oh, geez. Expensive? I don't know. Uh, like a Stradivarius? No, no. I think the oldest one I did was uh, an 1830s Martin. Um, that I worked on. That's the oldest one I've done. Huh. And Tim, where are you based out of? Uh, Fort Washington, Superior Guitar Works. Nice. nice. Excellent. Very nice. All right. Well, thanks for sharing, Tim. We appreciate it. I did not know that. There you go. All right. There you go. Take care, bud. There's, there's a guy, one of the world's, I guess, foremost violin restoration businesses is run out of this general area. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, then he's got to see some real expensive uh, instruments that come through. Interesting. All right, that is it for music news. That means we got to take one more break. Come back in a second. Uh, we'll reveal the information. I said I was going to do it earlier, so I'll tell you now. We have an overnight stay at Ocean uh, Casino Resort in Atlantic City. It comes with dinner and tickets to a show and no stuff way. like that. For real. <laughs> and I will tell you in a little while uh, what that is, uh, what all that entails when we get back. So stay with us. Get the letter of the day and uh, wrap ups and stuff like that. We'll be back in a moment. WMMR presents Jackson's Local Shots Artist of the Month, Huxley. Celebrating our area's best talent. Bringing it to you on air, online, and in the community. Hear and see more at WMMR.com, keyword local shots. Huxley, Jackson's Local Shots Artist of the Month. Sponsored by Family and Company Jewelers. Find a band that rocks her world at Family. 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks. Thank you to Josh Hardnett for being on the show. Yay! Uh, Inherit the Viper, available now in select theaters and video on demand. It was nice to talk to him. And John Cryer. Yes. Who is in Supergirl and uh, plays Lex Luthor. And apparently they have the big coming together of everybody uh, tonight at 8 p.m. It's part of The Flash. It's part three of five on uh, the CW. Do you know what's cool with that also, Preston? So they have all the various supermen. They have, you know, from Smallville and... uh... Uh, you know, the, 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 all the flashes, people played the flash, all, all all these actors that have been involved in these various television series over the years all came back to play their various roles. And actually, they, 
the guy who was the voice of um, Batman in Mask of the Phantasm, those animated, Kevin Conley, I think his name is, hmm. uh, he he played a role as Bruce Wayne. So it's all, it's very cool. Very cool. All right, so it was nice to have those For guys geeks. On. Yep. Uh, and one thing that I, I failed to reiterate in music news was we announced the lineup for MMRBQ 2020. Huge. And uh, it's going to be Saturday, May 16th, BB&T Pavilion. Tickets go on sale Friday at 9 a.m. There's no pre-sale on this. And we're going to have uh, The Who, meaning the Mongolian band, The Who. <laughs> uh, Dirty Honey, Crowbot, Puddle of Mud, and Sublime with Rome, Pretty Reckless, Royal Blood, and Disturbed. So there That's a is solid bill. your yeah, lineup. Yep. So we're looking forward to uh, having you there, being a part of the party. And uh, pavilion tickets start at forty nine fifty. Lawn tickets are twenty five dollars for the early bird special. While the supplies last, you can get the details at wmmr dot com. By the way, Piero Bear is here. Good day, citizen. Nice to see you again, sir. And you, sir. I enjoyed our program yesterday. It was for a sad occasion, but it was uh, I enjoyed doing it. You know. Yeah, uh, you were just phenomenal. Um, Thanks, man. Uh, I I really uh, enjoyed, much like Casey said earlier, being able to um, um, hear your, uh, learn more about Rush through you and uh, help you to express your love uh, of the band. It was really, it was, it was very special. I Thanks, man. I, I felt, um, I've never done anything quite like that. Um, I mean, we have done things like when, uh, um, uh, George Harrison died. That was very personal. Uh, Bowie and... Uh, yeah, and those Tom guys. Petty. But I felt a little stiff yesterday um, just because it was... It was that important to you. So personal. Yeah, you know what I mean? absolutely. You, you yeah, want you to do right by him. From, and, uh, from, so from I was listening at home, and it sounded great to me. It was And, and there was a combination of things. It was a... Uh, uh, the weather was so wonderful, you know, so the windows were open and all that stuff. And it was it was just also uh, it was more celebration, which I think it should have been. And it, it, it hit totally the exact right notes. Well, I mean, it was a lovely day and people were, you know, driving and listening uh, to the music. The music was phenomenal. You picked amazing songs. Thanks, man. Uh, and uh, but your perspective. Um, so I felt like I was. Uh, a vessel to help you express what you needed to do. Cool. So. And you did quite that. Um, I did have a question. Did you you have the list of the songs we played when we wrapped I do. up? Do you still have that? I do. Because yeah. Chuck was asking me about a song he'd never heard before, and I'm like, I don't remember what we played. <laughs> I, remember, I remember a few analog of the songs, kid. but that might have been it. Uh, might have been the Analog Kid. Uh, right out of... Uh, it started with Xanadu. I don't know. I and in the other room. I think it might have been that, because Chuck was like, I don't remember that tune, and that might have been it. Okay, cool. Yeah, and we uh, played... Uh, um, a couple of the deeper cuts were Something for Nothing off of 2112, and we played um, the really cool one I thought was uh, Losing It from uh, Signals. Uh, and we played, you know, a few of the ones that, that you anybody would know who's listening to the radio station for a while, because we played Time Stand Still and Roll the Bones. Right. Uh, we played uh, closer to the heart, um, but we, you know, we touched on some. Uh, some we missed a couple of eras, but you, listen, we only had three and a half hours that we mm-hmm. were on the air for crying out. We played headlong flight too, and Livia Strangiato. Oh right, right, yep, which right. is a big chunky one. So, right. uh, the podcast, the the audio portion of that, uh, Marissa says, is up. Is it? It will be soon. Uh, the uh, interview with Mike Portnoy is up. If oh, cool. people want to hear that, which is very cool that he had a chance to call, and he was. Asking if uh, he had texted me later on, asking if we were going to have that resided somewhere on the website and to give it to him because he will pass that along. He's got hundreds of thousands of wow. of uh, fans that follow him on social media, so he will tweet that out okay. so that people can check that out too. 
Um, are we al- allowed to broadcast the music? I, I in no, terms no. of the podcast, so so uh, it will just be our conversation. Yeah. Okay. Got yeah. it. Exactly. And, I'm sure, and, and in those conversations, we mention each song that we're right. about to go into so people can get an idea of the playlist, which would be cool. Um, so you actually, let's do the letter first, and then I'll ask about okay. the show. So here we go. Preston and Steve on 93.3 WMMR. Now, the Daily Letter. And the Preston and Steve show is brought to you today by the Daily, by the letter <laughs> P as in... All right. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. All right, P. And we have an overnight stay at Ocean Casino Resort in Atlantic City. Dinner for two and two tickets to see Aaron Lewis. Saturday, May 30th at Ocean's Ovation Hall. And tickets are on sale now via Ticketmaster.com. For more information about this and other shows at Ocean Casino Resort, visit their new and improved website at theoceanac.com. Must be 21 or older. Um, you doing a, a workforce block today? Yeah. Rush? Uh, okay. Another big block today. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, what else is coming up? And sting tickets. I've got sting, tic- uh, sting tickets to give away. So sting tickets. Cool. Sting. We'll say it quickly. It's hard. It's not easy. No. Like stink tickets. Stink tickets. <laughs> yeah. So, stingle. Stingle. <laughs> They're stingle. You've seen him, right? By himself. Many, 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 many yeah. times, yeah. Um, and, uh, I, but this is, I, I missed the last, uh, iteration, uh, of this tour. Um, my songs or whatever he's, he's, he's done some of his songs over again in different, in a sl- uh, slightly different way. So, um, I'm curious to see what it'll sound like. Okay, cool. Uh, let me thank our sponsor, President Steve Show brought to you today by Acme Fresh Foods, local flavors, the official supermarket of the President Steve Show. You want to see Pierre react? Tomorrow morning, the Geeter in our oh. studio. Joe Bo 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 Bo. That's right, Joe, Joe Bo 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 Bo. Bo. <laughs> what I time is you, the great man I coming? I told in? you he would react. Absolutely, oh, I love that. Nine a.m. tomorrow. We'll talk to the Geeter. He's got. I think he's got a big disco show coming up. He's got one of his big shows coming to the Kimmel. Yeah. Yep. I right. go to every one of them. They're so cool. Nice. All right, that's it. We are done. Rage on. Have yourself a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow, gang. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. The Breston and Steve love you. Hate you. Live. I'm sorry. I'm a little upset about the greatest drummer and lyricist of all time dying. Neil was an inspiration to every drummer, the greatest drummer of all time. Resting in peace. Raise hell, mother Raise hell. Next message. Just wanted to give some serious love to Preston and Pierre for coming in on Sunday on their day off and paying their honors and respects to Neil Peart. And that is huge of them to spend their weekend coming into work and saying some kind words and playing some awesome tunes. Kudos to you guys and kudos to MMR. I love WMMR. Everything that rock. The Preston and Steve love you, hate you line. Call 484-434-1333. MMR rocks. Brought to you by DellToyota.com and DellChevrolet.com. Jack, sell them for less.